High end in front of the net. Caulfield is shot. There's a scramble in front of the goal. Down is Campbell. It's still free. They bag away and they score. Corey Perry scores for Montreal. Looking for Toffoli in front of the net. The shot scores in behind Campbell. The five-on-three clicks and the Canadians have a 2-0 lead. Got down into the Montreal zone. Edmondson gets it up on the wing. The Leafs get it in front of the net. And score! Jason Spezza! Played it back. Engvall to the near side. The Brody. A shot scores! Holy Mackinac! The Leafs have tied the game! T.J. Brody, and I think it goes off Hyman, and it's tied at two. Weber gave the puck away. Dermott turns, lost the handle, pass into the slot, a shot scores! Cut Kanyemi. The Montreal Canadiens have forced game seven. I'm actually going to ask you the question that the opening jingle asks, Siggy. Are you ready to rock? <laughs> Are you ready to rock? I'm ready for a game seven. I don't know if the rest of Toronto is ready for a game seven. <laughs> this? I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just... I, I don't think people are ex- I don't think people are excited about it. Like after Saturday night and all day yesterday, I don't think I've had that many phone calls or text messages about a Leafs game. And yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I think it's what they, I think it's what they need. Uh, Sheldon Keefe talked about it yesterday. I, I, it's a great opportunity for them. Right. But let's talk about what happened Saturday first. I don't know. Like, well, well, we've got to talk about what happened on Saturday. It's the most <laughs> recent game. We're also going to look, look ahead to tonight. So, so I, I do need, I do need to hear why you think it's an opportunity. Obviously, if they win the series, they advance and they, they play the Winnipeg Jets and they're not going to have any time off because that series will start on Wednesday and there will be a back to back in games three and four Sunday and Monday in the peg. So the schedule will go exactly like the first round has. If you win, you advance Siggy and, and you can put the Montreal series in the rear view mirror with some success going forward. But all we know is where we're at right now. And I think it is absolutely 100% relevant and fair for Maple Leafs fans to wonder if this team is going to be able to step up, quote-unquote, start on time, and get the job done tonight. This isn't just a tonight thing and whether they play Winnipeg on Wednesday night or not thing. There are going to be some serious decisions and could be some serious fallout if they lose tonight's game. Uh, Yeah, it's on and it's on the big guys, right? We talked about Matthews and Marner, how they haven't done anything what they did during the regular season. And it's it's on it's on them right now. I know they've played well through a lot of the series. Take away the goals and assists. They've they there's been decent parts of their game, but decent and scoring chances and looking good on the power play at times is not going to be enough if they lose the series. So who does it who is it going to fall on? It's going to fall on them two first. There are a lot of bright spots. Nylander's been excellent for the most part. I thought he had a little bit of an off game Saturday. I think Felino is injured. Uh, Kerfoot didn't look his same self, but he's been excellent in the playoffs. 
Galchenyuk's been great besides the turnover, but he didn't look his himself yesterday uh, on Saturday. Riley. Riley's been he's been good. He's been better at times during the playoffs than I've seen for a lot of the regular season. Something's still not right there. I know we've talked about it, and he had the injury a year ago. I don't know if he's still battling whatever's been bothering him, but it's he's not what we saw from two years ago, right? It's not the same player. Um, it's a it's Montreal's. I told you this. Montreal's going to be a tougher out than people think, and here we are. I thought it was going to be four or five games. It should have been. And now we're here at seven. I just, it, Montreal can't score. Like if Montreal could actually score goals at any time, like a lot of the good teams in the playoffs, this would have been an even better series, I think. But they, you can tell how much they struggle. Like they, they, they played really well Saturday. They controlled play through 50 minutes, but they don't have a lot of firepower up front. They rely on, on the back end and their top four, their top two pairings on the back end are as good as any in the league. So you're going to shut down players at times. You're going to McDavid and Drysaddle got shut down for four games and against the Jets who said they didn't have very good defense. Like it's, it's, I know everyone's kind of like everyone's all over Matthews and Marner, but this happens. We can we'll dig up different years where some of the best goal scorers in whatever playoffs you want to pull up, sometimes they struggle to get out of the gate. I'm telling you right now, they get past Montreal. Marners and Matthews will get going in the next series. I will guarantee it. So they're taking all the heat right now, and a lot of it's deserved, but it's something more than that. It's it's getting the power play, making sure that's going. Like that's been an issue with the team. And I and, and if you want to look at Matthews and Marner. And you can kind of tie it to the Leafs in general, but it's like one of, like it could be the fact that they're nervous, right? You have a, you have a clinching game that they have to win that they haven't been able to win in past years. So maybe they're, they have nerves are involved Two, They're just not playing well as they should be. Um, and I, I, I don't know what else you can say about, you know, this team and where they're at right now. Like, if you want to start drawing conclusions and if they don't win, the, the, the nucleus has to get blown up. The coaching staff has to be changed. Like, I, I'm not there yet. I don't even want to discuss that because I know that was a lot of the talk yesterday and a lot of things I'm seeing and hearing. I just, I'm, I'm not there yet. There's still a game seven. I think it's a good spot to be in. And let's... Let's give them a chance. It's like everyone's already written them off. Like let's Well, people are angry. Seven. People are angry. People are mad. This this team was dominant through most of the first four games of the series. They were up three games to one. Winnipeg in a very close series, based on the scores of each game, swept out Edmonton. So you go into game five at home, and the Leafs have done this to themselves. Outside of the sweep of the Senators in the spring of two thousand one in the first round. I don't think this team has won a playoff series in five games or less in in our lifetimes. And I, I'm quite confident about that, at least in my memory. From 1985 onward, this team has won one playoff series, the 0-1 opening round against the Ottawa Senators in fewer than, or in five games or fewer. So you're thinking, well, geez, we're going to be able to get a little bit of rest here. We'll go into the second round on even footing. We're not dragging this thing out against a Montreal team that is 
clearly inferior, and all of the goblins, all of the ghosts of the past. And I'm talking, sure, the FNUF era and the Kessel era, though that was far different. But the ghosts of this, this current era, the inability to start on time, the things that Mike Babcock used to say, Mitch Marner, I, okay, great for Mitch Marner to be so honest Saturday night after the game, Ziggy, about not starting on time. We want athletes to be honest. But that is a searing indictment, a searing indictment to suggest that we got to figure out how to start on time here because we're not doing it right now. Game five, game six of a playoff series. Yeah. And, and don't I don't want to hear anything more about experience. This team has been in the playoffs four previous springs. At some point, you've got to win a round, especially with this high-end talent. And I think what people are caught, aside from being caught up in their emotions, and you can tell I am, and I know you've been on the phone, texting, talking, whatever, all weekend long, trying to soothe the anger of a lot of people, trying to, 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 to speak uh, some ras- rationalization into them. The bottom line is, is people are looking at a game tonight where this team is either going to advance or it is going to have its season come to an end and we're just going to have to wait until next fall, and then we're going to have to do the six-month applause for the guy who's closing in on 40 or 50 regular season goals, for the guy who's closing in on 90 or 100 regular season points, la, 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 and then wait for next April. It's the finality of it. If it doesn't happen tonight, if this team doesn't get its ass in gear right now, it's over, and it's going to be a long summer. That's yeah. it's the finality of it. I just I I'm I feel like they're expecting the game to happen for them, right? Like nothing happens most of the time in the regular season and for sure it doesn't happen in the playoffs. You don't just show up and expect it to happen cuz you you've been playing well in the series or you've had a good regular season or you're the better team on the paper. I think that's the lesson learned that I don't think they've learned in other years. Other years they've had to work for they've had to work for it to get to that spot to close out a series and they've gotten beaten by really a really really good team. Columbus was really good last year, underrated, and the Bruins had one of the best teams in the league. And they got beat in you know game 7s where that happens against good teams. The fact that it's happened so many times is where Leafs Nation's Leafs, Leafs Nation is at, right? Where we've seen this story play out, right? We know we know what we know what guys are about, and if it happens again, then we all of a sudden we draw conclusions that they just can't win. They don't show up in big moments, right? And I I'm not there. That's not it for me. I think there is a developmental side to this, and they are still fairly young and learning. And it's a group where you're going to keep half. You're going to have to make tweaks. You're going to have to add guys. You're going to, you know, you bring in Spezza last year, Thornton this year, you get a little bit tougher Simmons. You bring in a guy with leadership qualities and physicality and Felino. Like that you, you keep tweaking with what you have. And sometimes it works out. And sometimes it doesn't. The only issue is they haven't made it out of the first round. And this is, 
I think this is a low point if they can't get past the Canadians, right? Like they were supposed to get by them and it shouldn't have gone six games. And then all of a sudden you're in, you play a game five and game six, which weren't good. It's not like they played like the losses against Columbus and the losses against the Bruins in past playoff years. The team has played well and just hasn't won. I didn't like the majority of the game Saturday. I don't know what it was. It's not just showing up on time. Like they had two lucky goals that went off Petrie. Like if they don't go in off the defenseman, like the Leafs don't even score a goal Saturday. Like it's the way they're losing that I have an issue with. But if you want to talk, you know, bigger picture stuff and where they're at. Yeah. You, you, well, you have to, you have to find the right mix and what works. And it's, if, if they don't win this, I think there's going to be major changes. Well, here's what I'm not saying. I th- I'm not saying I think it should happen. I just, I think there's going to be major right. changes. And I, and I think it, I think, Look, this is more a conversation for tomorrow if they don't win tonight. We we got to see what happens here. But 16's got a bullseye on his back. You are not paying $11 million a year to a guy to kill penalties. And you can text me, you can tweet me, and you can say I'm being fair, you can say I'm being unfair. That's just the bottom line. The young man got his money. God bless him. I wish he was making a million dollars more a year. I got no problem with what any of these guys make. But this is the hard cap league of the big four in North American professional sports. And so inevitably and unavoidably, your production is tied to your salary. And yes, it's correct. There is no salary cap in the playoffs, but you don't completely overhaul or reconstruct your roster come playoff time. You have what you have. So it is incumbent upon Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews to step up tonight and to contribute. There's the anger over the way this series has played out. And I think in the back of our minds, Ziggy, like let's just work off, let's do the benefit of the doubt thing and and presume they're going to beat Montreal, which is highly ignorant of me to just assume, but I'm playing the hypothetical game here. When you watch the Colorado Avalanche play hockey, not so much the Vegas Golden Knights last night, but they were coming off a real tough series with Minnesota. They were vulnerable in game one. Uh, Colorado's the better team, a hell of a team, have home ice advantage, but I don't think they're going to sweep the Golden Knights. So I'm lumping Vegas in. When you watch Colorado, when you watch Vegas, when you watch Carolina, when you watch Tampa Bay, when you watch Boston, is this Toronto Maple Leafs team anywhere in the stratosphere, anywhere in the same galaxy, as those four or five teams I just listed right now, because this was supposed to be a cup contending team. And unless something clicks that hasn't clicked yet, and that has never clicked at this time of year, I can't see this team not getting blown out of the rink. Should it advance far deeper into these playoffs? Well, I'm not even looking at the final four. I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking at a team that's going to have a week off and waiting for them in the Jets. Like, you're going to have to play the Jets in two days. Luckily, it'll be at home if they can pull this off. But I said to you before the start of the series, the rest of the league is watching the way they are going to handle the Canadians. And if they let this linger on into game six or seven, 
That's going to show the rest of the league a lot of stuff. I know I said earlier off the top that I'm looking forward to a game seven and what they're made of, but the rest of the league doesn't look at it that way. The rest of the league is going to say, okay, they have all this firepower. They make all these changes. They've added all these pieces. Finally, you have a great backup goaltender who's become your number one. Now you have your number one as your backup. You have all this stuff, right? You have all these nice shiny toys and what are you all going to do with it? That's what the rest of the league is looking at the Leafs like right now. And they, they, they should have handled it in four or five games. The fact that it's gone on long now, teams are looking at, at Matthews, Marner, Nylander. I know Tavares is out, but they were going to look at them and say, can these guys handle a team like the Canadians and kind of flex their muscles? That's what the good teams do. They know when to flex. And this should have been, you know, a four or five game flex and it should have been over. And they're going to look, when teams are looking at the Leafs game tape, they're going to look at games five and six and say, they don't have what it takes to close out these series. That's what the good teams do. And you just can't show up and it just doesn't happen. The good part is that they didn't play great in either of them. And they're one shot away from going on to the next well, series. Like that's, that's a positive, right? The flip side of the coin is Montreal had a three goal lead in game five, a game it had to win and it blew it. And Montreal had a two goal lead in the third period of game six, a game it had to win and it blew it. And then it's a crapshoot. It's, it's a one shot deal come overtime. But the chicken and egg discussion is what the hell are you doing down three to the Montreal Canadiens? And what the hell are you doing down two, two nights later to the Montreal Canadiens? Like, I, and I know we, we, we had Brian Burke on the show at the start of the season before he took the job in Pittsburgh and he said the Montreal Canadiens, in his opinion, had the best offseason of any team in the North Division. And I know you have cautioned Ziggy against this both in the regular season and, and heading into this series that Montreal was not going to be as easy and out as me and a lot of other people were suggesting. But by God, to quote Jim Ross, if you're looking at the roster of teams who are still in the playoffs, the Montreal Canadiens are pulling up the rear, and there's at least one rung on the ladder separating them from everybody else, in my opinion. So the Leafs are going to have to find a gear not just tonight, but carry it forward. If they want to be in any way part of the conversation. And Paul Man. Maurice is just sitting back, rubbing his hands in Winnipeg going, all right, I mean, we, we can't be in a better position to advance. It doesn't mean they will, but they the Winnipeg Jets have to be saying to themselves, there is not a better opportunity for us in the second round. We could not have drawn this up any better for our next round series to try to get out of the North division. They're going to yeah. be loving this. Yeah. No, I, I, you want your team to go like, look at Vegas last night. You go hard fought seven game series. And the hard part is that there's going to be, you know, for the Leafs, you have a back to back. And then the next series, you have a back to back. Like if you want to talk next series already, um, you know, it's yeah. You, you saw how much trouble Vegas had against the avalanche. I just think it's taxing on your team. Um, I think the seven games the Leafs have played versus the Canadians, and no disrespect to them, are were not as hard as the Vegas Minnesota series or any of the other. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I think there were, 
I think this was not as tough on the Leafs as if you look to the other divisions and you look at you look at the seven games that Vegas had to play against Minnesota. So that's kind of a positive, but it's still seven games. And if you want to talk about whether Campbell will start in game one, I, I think that's a I think that's a great conversation to have. And well, Leonard got if if Freddie should go in, right? Leonard yeah, got the Leonard, crease for Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Leonard Leonard played instead of um instead of Flurry, right? And he so, wore it. He wore it. Well, you just you have an idea of what's going to happen, and you're not conceding, but you don't want to lose that game and then lose your starting goaltender. But DeBoer's got a lot of confidence in Leonard. Like I, I don't think it was as simple as, oh, let's play the backup and save our starter for the next game. I think DeBoer thinks he can win with Leonard, and that's I think he did it because he thought they have a better chance of winning with a guy that's rested versus a guy that just played seven hard games. So you're also on the road. So if you lose, you're not coughing up home ice advantage. You don't have it anyway. You yeah, try to bounce I, back in I game like, two. I, lo- I, like the mo- I, I like that move, and I like Freddie starting in game one for the Leafs. So, like I said, we can get into all that. <laughs> I don't but, think we can be talking. You know, I'm, I can't. That's uh, too much for me right now. Well, I'm not, um, yeah. I'm not assuming the Leafs are, are winning this game tonight. I, I assume they were going to win games five and six. I'm not. I don't. I don't have that level of arrogance or confidence well, going into the night. They're supposed to win the. They're supposed to win the game. Sure, they are. And as a player, it's a really hard situation to be in. Like I can imagine what it's life like to be in the Leafs' room right now. And I'm making this all positive, and I'm saying this is a great opportunity. But I, I would be feeling the pressure. Like I, like it, it would be. This would be a tough moment. But, but. <laughs> it will make them better players. Like you're, you'll see some growth out of this situation. And I want to keep saying that. Yeah. You when? know, if they win, I know I want to keep saying if they win, they gain that experience. Like they, they've taken that next step. And if they lose, they've got the experience, but I just have the feeling that I'm not sure how many more, this is an experience year for this group. I I'd be this concerned is, at this, this point. This is the second consecutive year that they are the favorite and I know we got to get our terminology right. They did not play a playoff series last year. They lost a play-in series to Columbus. But this is the second consecutive play something, in or yeah. off, whatever the hell you want to call it, second series in a row where they have been the favorite. So you can talk about the Boston series and, and all of that. Well, the Bruins did have home ice advantage, and they were the favored team. These are also not fresh-faced kids anymore. Nylander and Matthews and Marner are 23, almost 24, or they're 24, 25. Like, it, it, this is, they're into their primes of, of their careers now. And at some point here, the worm needs to turn. And I know that that leads to conversations about Ovechkin and the Capitals and the St. Louis Blues, were thought for 15 years to be one of the prime cup contenders out of the Western conference. And it took them arguably until past their window to get it done. And I understand, but like there are pressure points here. Austin Matthews has three years left on his contract after this season is up. So the notion of another growing pain, a little bit more experience accrued. Well, guys can go Ziggy where they want to go if they hit UFA status. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Austin Matthews is a leaf for the next 10 years. Connor McDavid has double the time 
in terms of term, left on his contract in Edmonton than Austin Matthews does in Toronto. You can tell me about growth in Edmonton. They've got more than half a decade with the best player in the world still to go, and they may have longer if he chooses to resign there. The Leafs are starting to push up against pressure points on these contracts. How many, how many more growth years can this group have? They've got to accomplish something together at some point, and it goes beyond sexy regular season stats. Yeah, I just it's it's going to be a tough. It's they're in tough tonight. It's they're going to see what they're made of. This is everything. Everything's on the line right now. There is no desperation in Game Five or Game Six, and except for you know. Once they got down, I the best coaches I had always try to explain to the guys: don't show desperation the last minute of a game. Right? Like, how good do teams play when they're down a goal with a minute and a half? And I understand that happens a lot during the regular season because you have the ups and downs, you have tough parts of the schedule, a lot of games. Guys are injured, guys don't feel well. I get it, but in the playoffs, you you need to play every minute like you're down a goal with a minute and a half to go. And if you can't do that, you don't deserve to win. And there just wasn't enough desperation the last two games. Like, and I, I, and sometimes I say it's too late when you go to a game seven. It, it really is a lot of times. Like, think about the momentum Montreal has right now in this game. And I talk about momentum a lot during the season. It's something I can't explain. I've been there as a player, been there as a coach. Uh, it, it really tests you mentally. And what you're made of. And this is, I can't think of a tougher and better situation for this Leafs team. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't think not one person in Toronto that I've talked to is looking forward to it. They've had enough, but it'll be amazing what one win will do. Because well, I think a lot of the next series will be different. A lot of these narratives and this issues we're talking about, I think will all be gone if they can get into the next series. But like I said, no momentum. You've had some of your stars not show up when it counts. And what are they going to do tonight, right? I mean, it's it's on Matthews and Marner at this point. They haven't done much. I think they've played well. They haven't hurt the team. But this is their time. You pay these guys the money to show up in games like these. The Leafs need the Vegas plan. They didn't look particularly good in games five and six against Minnesota and the score reflected it. And then they came back home in game seven and handled and took care of their business. Uh, Leafs and Habs game seven tonight. And it's a game you can watch on CBC and Sportsnet at seven o'clock. And uh, you can listen to us here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. So here's the plan for the morning. Stephen Brunt, Andrew Raycroft, Andrew Berkshire of the Montreal Gazette, Christopher Stieg, we are all over the hockey. We're going to open up the phone lines at 7 o'clock. 25 minutes of your phone calls at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. I'll throw out the numbers a little bit closer. Get in the queue. We're welcoming your reaction all morning long. We'll do a little baseball with John Palmarosi a little bit later on as well. Tough loss for the Blue Jays in the back end of the doubleheader in Cleveland yesterday. And up next to preview tonight to relive Saturday to go through the somewhat controversial call, no call on Montreal's first goal. We'll discuss it all with Gord Stellick next. This is my nightmare.
Oh, what you owe. Wait, you've had enough of the music? <laughs> oh, I was supposed to start on time? I was supposed to start on time. I didn't start on time. My bad. I... My bad. I've been doing this long enough. At some point, I should know I should start on time. <laughs> Handling this well this morning. Uh, the question on the text line to 59590 is why? Why are we going to this game seven that no Maple Leafs fan wants, but every Maple Leafs fan gets? Uh, who's your target? Give us your reasons. And we'll read those texts at 59590. And a reminder that we will open up the phone lines at the top of the hour, 25 minutes of your calls at 7 o'clock. I'll give the phone numbers out in just a little bit. Gord Stellick is the co-host with Nick Alberga of Leafs Nation Pre and Post here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, and he is with us now. Gord, I, I think I just set it up. This is how I feel, and I think I speak for a lot of people, maybe not all but most, who cheer for the blue and white. This is the game seven that nobody wants, but that we're all getting. I, I don't sense anticipation in the normal way that we anticipate these sorts of climactic games. There's going to be some hate watching going on. People are bitter and pissed that this series has gone on this long. Yeah, I never thought I'd recreate how I felt going in to write a calculus exam in university. But that that's kind of, you know, it's not, there, there's, there's not, there's not so much the excitement. And I can think I was there when Nikolai Borshevsky scored game seven in Detroit. And those fans were just pissed. They were just pissed as they left. And, you know, it took a few more years to get success, but they'd had too many disappointments. And I think, you know, certainly Scott and Ziggy, like I've, I've looked at tonight's game and talking to everybody yesterday, there's two things. You know, one is, and again, like you said, it's, it's not an exciting feeling being a Leaf fan because this should have been done in game five and game six and really should have been. But it's a chance if they can win through adversity, accomplish something through adversity for a team that just has failed in deciding games in the playoffs. And the positive is it could propel them to future playoff successes, you hope, which is what we expected. But we are really looking at if they lose this game, I don't know a more devastating loss to end a Maple Leaf season when that last was. And I've been around a long time and I've been part of some tough losses way back when, when I was working there, but given the expectations and the way this has gone, this is very different than the three goal deficit to Boston about eight years ago. I mean, that this one, this one is very raw. So um, hopefully tomorrow we're talking about the unnecessary adversity they put themselves in, but getting to the next hump. Otherwise it's a pretty, pretty unfortunate conversation. Yeah, I think I'm with you. If they can't pull this off, it's worse than last year or the game sevens against Boston, you know, the the leads that they blew and just the lack of playoff success that they've had. How much of this falls, though? I know we, uh, the talk has been around Nylander and Matthews, and I understand when things don't go well, it falls on, you know, your best player's shoulders. But how much of it this is them and how much of this is the whole uh, the team as a whole? Well, the, the them part, like Marner and Matthews and those guys, I mean, one, one goal in six games, so basically 12 games between you, and you're getting all that ice time. Uh, and you've had a history of finishing. They, and actually, Austin Matthews has had pretty decent playoffs. Marner had a, a, a solid first playoff and has struggled since then statistically. So, yeah, I mean, a big part, here we are, game seven, and none of the game first six games, you've made a difference when you made a difference like all season long. But, you know, Ziggy, I, I found in game five, but especially game six, 
And I don't know if it was the fans or what. There were a lot of Toronto fans there. How could the Montreal Canadiens flat out in the first 30 minutes want the game more than the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, They started the game like they really wanted the game more than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Credit the Leafs coming back and tying it up. They did it again also in Game 5, but at the end they did not close the deal. So we've talked about a team's inability, the Leafs, to close a deal in a playoff series. Drop the puck. Scott was just talking about the Mike Babcock line. Start on time. Holy macro, you got you know, you gotta come out making a statement and really this is you got you brought the veteran leaders in, you have your young leaders, you hope this is where that kind of experience is. Just, you know, be all that you can be. Be what you are. Go. Start kicking ass from the drop of the puck. Don't leave us scratching our head with wondering how you could not have more passion or more intensity to start game number six. Well, and starting on time was what they were talking about. And I Mitch Marner, I think I'm quite confident, was talking about this before COVID. Like, we're dialing it back to November of 2019. February of 2020. Like, come on. And the other thing with this, Gord, because we're getting texts uh, to 595.90. They're flowing in right now. One of the themes that a couple are pointing out is the notion of Carey Price stealing this series. I just want to correct the record on that. The Montreal Canadiens have blown three goal and two goal leads in the last two games. It's not like they're jumping out to leads with their limited ability to score goals and locking them down. So it then becomes a chicken and an egg thing. You know, you can be confident that you have the ability to come back when you, when you turn on the engine, but what the hell are you doing falling behind that badly in the first place? That's the frustrating part here. Yeah, well, absolutely. And this is not like the, you know, the real great Vancouver Canuck teams that, didn't get the goaltending from Dan Cloutier, right? I mean, goaltending, you could single out, was the problem there for, you know, back in that era, a real good team. No, Jack Campbell's given, their goaltending has not been the difference in this series. So all of a sudden, Carey Price is being built up as the guy that won the five trophies whatever number of years ago. I mean, the Maple Leaf goaltending has been equal. And that's, that's also the disappointing part, is that you're not even pointing at that. And the other thing, Scott and Ziggy, like we know, and probably why, you know, uh, why we're on tenderhooks as a Leaf fan, Game seven has brought some of the most unfortunate performances by a Freddie Anderson, by a Jake Gardner. You know, whatever it's been, it's been a really weird, bizarre, terrible performance, saving your worst for the end. And that, again, the challenge is these guys have all won somewhere before is, okay, showing you're the better team and rewriting recent history. Otherwise, you're just adding to it in a big, big way. But you're right. There's a million narratives out there. And obviously, Montreal, hey, Montreal's got nothing to lose. I mean, they are totally, totally jacked. So all the carry prices coming into it and what have you, that's fine. Jack Campbell's goaltending has been, has been plenty good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Some games, he's probably been out goaltended. One game, he, he was the reason they won that game. What do you think about the line combinations right now, Gord? I thought the Felino galchenyuk uh, and Nylander just didn't seem to have it. Um, Nylander kind of looked off uh, in game six. I think he's, I uh, was excellent, probably the best leaf through the first five, but what kind of changes do you make up front? Do you like throw everybody in the blender? Um, you know, even Matthews and Marner, do you break them up at this point? I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I think maybe you have to be a little bit adaptive during the game, but I think you got to believe in those guys. And, and, uh, and also unfortunately the John Tavares injury right away, you know, took away your strength. But saying that, you were three to one in games with the John Tavares injury. So uh, Nick Foligno, uh, obviously uh, laboring. Jake Muzzin, that's a huge one if he can't play on D. Yeah. So 
you know, but but I, I think a lot. You, you you go down to four D more in a game like this. But uh, I I think you have to be a little bit reactive about things. But I think you got to start with the lines that brought you there. I mean, uh, I, I I you know I got a guy like Mitch Marner is just you know we can all identify where when we're in a funk and whatever it may be. It's it's tough. It gets to you mentally, and you know hopefully he looks at game six and go, okay, that's, 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 I bought him out, you know, and he knew it like when he got the delay of game penalty, trying to ice the puck. Okay. Nothing more can go awry that way. Let's just, let's just get out and be Mitch Marner. Let's just get out, be Austin Matthews. Let's be Zach Hyman. You know, that's whatever it is. Let's not think about the other six games. Let's think about a team that was the best team in the Scotia, Scotia North during the regular season. And I think Sheldon Keith, I like, I like the way he talked yesterday. And I think also that's where those veteran players that you brought in, in the off season, you know, should be a real help in that little intangible heading into a game seven, we hope. I'm just trying to relate to what you said there, Gordon. I mean, there have been times, particular days, maybe weeks or months in life where things haven't been going well for me and I feel it on the air. And then I turn to some people who I know who've been listening and I say, how did it sound? And they said, well, it sounded like normal. It sounded like usual. And, and that reinforces things for me because I'm like, man, I'm living in my own crap right now. So if I feel like crap, I'm probably going to think that I'm doing a crap job. That's what Marner's going through right now on the grandest of stages. Like, there is no hiding this. And this is the hardest cap league of the North American Big Four, and he's getting paid a ton of dough. And he put his foot down to get paid. And God bless them for it. I'm more than happy for all of these guys to maximize their earnings throughout their lives. But in a hard-capped league, it's unavoidable that your salary will be tied to production. It's not about whether it's fair or not. It's simply unavoidable. He has got to step up. Like, it's, it, it, it's just not an option. He and Austin... The higher-paid guys, Nylander's been very good for in this series. These guys have got to perform tonight. It's a lot to leave at their feet, but it has to happen. Yeah, you know, first, Scott, your, your first statement is bang on that, you know, the money aside, uh, Mitch Marner's struggling through the equivalent of what you're describing, and, and you're right about that. So he's got to find it, and whether it, with his teammates or within, just to get his head back in that place and, and get that confidence back. But, yeah, the, the other part, the cap is the cap. And you're right. You know, you spend the money according to how players contribute, and you're screwed if if, if they don't. And we'll look at the Boston Bruin model because that's kind of what it was felt that the Maple Leafs were going to eventually supplant. And again, you've got guys that make, making less money, okay, by and large. But you know, but okay, that ship has sailed. They've got guys, you know, Marchand and Pasternak and all those guys making a figure much less than Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews make. But that's fine. But the other part is they're doing it in the playoffs again. They're the guys that do it for Boston are doing it again in the playoffs year after year after year. And that's not an unreasonable expectation for the Toronto, the commensurate Toronto Maple Leaf players to do the same in the playoffs. And they're not doing it this first round. We're getting a lot of questions about the goaltender interference challenge on Montreal's first goal Saturday night. Gord, where, where do you come down on that? For me, it looks like Toffoli is doing a great job of angling off Justin Hall. So his his interference, if there is any, is with Hall as opposed to Campbell, which is helping to prevent Campbell from getting back into the position he needs to be in. 
but Jack initially is is out of his net and and just sort of swimming there for an extra half second or so. And I'm wondering if Jack, I'm not being critical of Jack, I'm observing the play. I'm wondering if Jack is squirming to get back into position sooner, if that would not have potentially affected the call on the ice or the call in the booth after Sheldon Keefe put through the challenge. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with your assessment about that. He was um, he was doing like the swimming out there, right? So I mean, the player has to make an effort to get out of the way, but also when the goaltender's put himself uh, that much out of position, I I think there's been two horrendous challenges: one by Montreal, one by Toronto. I mean, even after the game, Sheldon Keith didn't sound all that good about how he felt during the challenge. I thought Sheldon Keith was very strong yesterday in his statements on an off day. I liked his positivity about things, but I, I just you know found that. Um, you know, and it, and it was indicative that that was a game Montreal lost with that challenge, and that's a game that you know Toronto lost. It was very puzzling to watch, and then you know all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. Then the Marner situation happens, and then later on when you come back to tie it, you go, "Geez, we could have come back and won it." You know, the, those were the those that was a, every goal is a huge goal in the playoffs. So um, I would uh, both teams. I would be very, very, very careful given your track record this series about any kind of such challenge in Game Seven. Well. We'll be listening tonight, and you will join us at 6.30 tomorrow morning to break down whatever it is that's about to happen. And uh, if you have to pick up the pieces, Gord, I apologize in advance because I could have a breakdown here on the air. If they lose tonight, I, I mean, it is going to be one hell of a postmortem. Um, but let's hope for the best. We'll see what happens, and we'll talk about it in 24 hours. Yeah, there's there's no middle ground whatsoever. So one way or another, we'll have uh, it going 100% one way. And just make sure you start on time, though. Okay, Scott? Uh, yes, exactly. When the Diego Maradona <laughs> music kicks in, you bet. I'm just, okay. just start on time. Gord Stellick uh, with Nick Elberga, the uh, co-host of Leafs Nation Pre and Post here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. And you know Gord and Nick will uh, be putting in the hours around the hockey game tonight. And Gord will be back with us at 630 tomorrow morning. 416-870-0590, 416-870-0590. Ziggy wants to talk to you. Ziggy wants to hear from you. I do too. But but Ziggy wants to break this down to the excruciating minutia ahead of game seven. Get your frustration out. If you're confident, phone up and tell us you're confident. Tell us why we're headed to the seventh game nobody wants. 416-870-0590. Phone lines at the top of the hour. This. All right, we're promising you 25 minutes of your calls. The phone lines open at the top of the hour. Here are the numbers, 416-870-0590. 416-870-0590, star 590 on the cell, long distance, one 590 I'm getting a lot of blame on the text line, Ziggy. Apparently because I've been saying the series is over since it was 3-1. I'm the jinx. I've said from the start, it's not. It's never easy. It it very rare do you do you just steamroll a team and. You haven't had play success, and it's somewhat of a new group this year. Uh, short season, um, you know. I, it, I just, I know, I know how well Weber, Sherratt, uh, Edmondson, 
Petrie. I just know those four guys on the ice at any time, any combination of those guys is going to be tough with a carry price. That's really good in net. Like I think carry price has been incredible and I know he's given up the three goals and the two goals, but if you break all those plays down, he hasn't given up anything for free. And this is the situation. I had an idea that could happen. It could happen with, with what Montreal has. They just, like I said, imagine if Montreal had any kind of potent offense where they had a one, two punch, Oof. they'd be what they'd be. They'd yeah. be a contender. So I, it's just, it's I, and it's hard for Toronto because on paper, they're supposed to win this series easy. And sometimes that can make things worse. And it's gotten worse. to The point where we have a game seven now where we should have never been in it. 416-870-0590, 416-870-0590. Questions like why, why are we getting the game seven that nobody wants? And who are you watching most closely tonight? 16 and 34? Your call's next. <laughs> The uh, phone lines are open, 416-870-0590, 416-870-0590. The next 25 minutes are yours. Phone lines are jammed right now, so when you hear that somebody has hung up, get into the queue. We'll get to as many of you as possible. Game 7 tonight, the Leafs and the Habs. On CBC Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan, no choice now. Uh, the Leafs have to win. They have exhausted all of their... All of their options. Uh, they cannot. They cannot cough another one up. There is no more room for air. And we are dialed in on everybody. But 34 and 16 are making a ton of cake in a hard-capped league. And if they are the two best players on this Maple Leafs team, now would be a good time to show it. I don't want to spend another freezing-ass cold winter in this market celebrating the push for 50 goals and the push for 100 points if it's not going to mean a hill of beans at this time of year. Sean in Hamilton is our leadoff hitter on leadoff. What's up, Sean? Morning, guys. How you doing? Well, <laughs> it's 12 hours to puck drop, and I haven't had to put on the diaper yet. So, so far, so good. Well... Uh, I am a Habs fan, but I'm a realistic Habs fan. I didn't pick Montreal to win the series, and if I bet on them, I would want four or five to one odds. Now, this there's no pressure on Montreal here. Every expert expected the Leafs to dispatch Montreal with ease. So basically, Montreal's playing on house money right now. And tomorrow, uh, whether they win or lose, all everybody's going to talk about is the Leaf players who stood up or the least players that folded like a cheap suit. So it doesn't matter whether Montreal wins tonight or not. Every Habs fan is ecstatic with the Game 7. Every Leafs fan, not so ecstatic with a Game 7. So Hugh Burrell takes a day off, and you felt that you needed to call in and be Hugh Burrell. <laughs> uh, they said that nobody would like me calling, but what the hell? Well, I, I, I mean, and we appreciate the phone call, Sean. We're going to keep it rolling here. He's not wrong. Ziggy, the, how you view 
how you view tonight's game or heading into tonight's game is totally dependent on who you cheer for. This is the game sevens are what we live for as fans, but this is a game seven that not one Maple Leafs fan wanted. Not one Maple Leafs fan expected, not one Maple Leafs fan wanted. And Sean in the Hammer is just like Hugh Burl in Etobicoke and everybody else who cheers for that godforsaken hockey team. They're just happy to be here. And why wouldn't they be? In games five and six, they had nothing to lose. Now they have something to lose, though. And I understand the whole house money. We make that comparison a lot. I think they are going to feel it now. Like, I think the Canadians players are going to be, they're going to be sitting there saying, wow, we can actually make it to the second round when no one had us getting there. We weren't even a, we weren't even a guarantee for the playoffs. I think now you get to a spot in a game seven. I think the pressure, I don't, I'm not saying the pressure is on the Canadians. Obviously the pressure all lies on the Toronto Maple Leafs for tonight, but tonight will be different nerves wise well, for the Canadians players. I I think, I think Ziggy that the pressure is on the entirety of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, players included from a Montreal perspective, the pressure is on Mark Bergevin and there's he's not- made it though. But the fact that they've gone seven now, he's let off the hook. Like the you fact think- that they came back. Yeah. He, he's let off the so hook. You I think, think now. that all the moves they made in the off season, the yeah. Andersons, the Toffoli's, Etc. This has saved his ass. These last two think, overtime wins. I think the, if they would have lost in four straight or five, the fact that they came back and made this a series, if I'm ownership, I think it changes. I think it changes a lot in Montreal. Yeah. Um, so we'll, I mean, we don't, it's hard to, every owner's different, right? Some guys want to win. Like well, how many ownerships have we seen where they've been so close and all of a sudden it's like, clean house right and some owners are they 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 don't mind giving their general managers a little bit more leeway you know that leash might be a little bit longer I think the fact, a decade yeah i just think the fact that they've they've challenged a team like the leafs with what they have right now i think it's yeah. um yeah well dominic ducharme is no smarter or no stupider a head coach for his team having blown three goal and two goal leads in each of the last two games and then one in overtime than he was before all of that happening. So it's amazing how, if you're right, just a couple of games can completely change the perspective of of the owner of the hockey team. Mark is in Port Perry. Hello, Mark. Morning, guys. I'm glad that you guys show up every show. I'm happy that you guys, every day, you bring your game because this team hasn't done it. And if I hear one more of our superstars coming on after the next day, apologizing why they couldn't get ready, I, I 60 years, I still put the skates on. I get jacked up. If you put that uniform on, there's no excuses. And I think when they brought in like the older guys, there's big problems in that dressing room. Mark. How in God's name can you not get ready for a big game or any game? Mark, if your if your rec league game starts at eleven o'clock on Sunday night, what time are you starting on Sunday night? Oh, oh ten o'clock before it even oh. starts. I'm jacked up. If you're not five mm. minutes early, you're late. <laughs> Can't right. How the hell do these guys not see that? There's big problems with the uh, player personnel, and I I put it all in Shanahan. You've you got the wrong guys in that dressing room. 
By uh, saying that, though, what a great job our goalie's doing, though. There uh, are some positives to this. And if we lose, like, a Hyman because of the salary cap for these bums, uh, it's inexcusable. All right, Mark, we appreciate the phone call. Just letting Leafs fans let it out, Sig. You, but you, you get the sense. Now, Sean and the Hammer Habs fan. But this is where Leafs fans' heads are at. There is a Game 7 to win tonight to advance to the North Division Final against Winnipeg and people, and they're not wrong to be, because I feel it too. People are pissed. People are angry at this hockey team, and they could advance in the playoffs tonight. Yeah, I it's, it's I I can't believe yeah I can't believe I'm I'm I can't believe we're talking about a game seven. I I really can't. Like I I have had two days to to sit with it. And I still can't believe we're here. If I'm if I'm Sheldon Keefe at this point, though, I'm I'm not having a meeting. I'm not doing anything. I'm just on the board. It's you just show up for the game. Do you know what I mean? Just show up. Like not let's let's not let's not worry about the X's and O's and the expected goals and where we have to be. Let's go out and play hockey. Like this is a problem with the power play that we've talked about during the regular season. What do I tell you? Just throw a line out there with any 2D and play hockey and play hard because it's going to be better than all these plays we have set up and systems and we're worried about line matchups. Like, I wouldn't worry about any of that tonight because there's no chance that the Canadians can hang with the Leafs again for third, can do this three games in a row if they just come out and play hard. It's play hard, energy, like show something. This is like This is where no numbers show up. Who cares what you did in the regular season? Show some heart tonight. Get engaged. And if they don't do that, they're going to lose again. Nick from Newmarket. Simple. Let's win it for Johnny T. And this one is unsigned from a 416 number, but I wonder if it's Silent Vic. If the Leafs lose tonight, the only Maple Leaf I will ever wear for the rest of my life will be Team Canada's. I hope that, I hope that's not. Well, Silent Vic says he's a 647. 416-870-0590, to Markham for Mark. Fire hey, away, Mark. Hey, this, this, this story's been written. This, this team here is a reflection of inadequate GM and president. The, the team has no chance of – you think they're going to beat Winnipeg? They remind me of the Harlem Globetrotters. They play all year when it doesn't matter, and the chips are on the table – they disappear. They panicked and they brought in Joe Thornton uh, and Wayne Simmons, who are old guys that would be in their prime great at playoff players. The exception is Spezza, who I think is the greatest value maybe in the entire league. What is he getting paid? Seven fifty. Seven. The team is But it's a joke. I mean, the team is a joke. Marner has no shot of being a superstar in the playoffs. Matthews obviously does, and he's just. Uh, He's an exceptional player. But the rest of the team, they're heavily burdened with a bunch of heavyweight salaries. They're finished. This team's done. It's time to trade them. Look at look at Vegas. They're an example. They came into the league with a bunch of cast-offs, and they, they literally almost won the Stanley Cup. That's the way to make a team. He has gone down the analytics road, and the analytics were predicated on the regular season. They mean nothing. It's the... Boston Bruins, look at a team like that. Look at the grit that they have. 
this team has got no chance against Winnipeg. Everybody must see that. Appreciate the phone call. I I can't disagree with uh, with a lot of that. Like I, like I said, numbers don't mean a lot right now. Goals, assists, lead the lead the league in points. He's not he's not even playing right now. Get some zone entries um, injected into my veins, Ziggy. Come on. Yeah, like throw a puck in and go and get it. Like it's I know it's not fun to watch sometimes, but it wins a lot of these games and and a lot of series and. It, it, it's it's tough because it's we don't we don't know right like there's so much unknown it's who's gonna show up tonight we are you know we don't know right um I I, I think I think a lot of pressure is on I think a lot the most amount of pressure is on Matthews over Marner though I think he'll he'll take he's taken the mo- he'll take he's taken the most heat to now and if they don't win he'll well. take the mo he'll take more than Marner. Like, so you say you, you think pressures is, is related to how much heat a guy takes. I'm telling you right now, Austin Matthews is here next year. I can't sit here if they lose tonight and express 100% confidence that Mitch Marner will be. Yeah. And, and, and whether that that's got nothing to do with the quality of the player that is indisputable that he is a great player, but the the salary is problematic. If yeah, you just don't win the trade. That's the only problem. You're going to lose the trade. So whatever that is, you have to be okay with losing the trade and not getting the return. And if you're, if that's the road you want to go down with a guy like Marner or Jack Eichel or William Nylander or whoever you want to throw in there. Yep. Connor McDavid, right. whoever you want no, to throw but, in, you're going you're to lose it. Yeah. And, and look, Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, they are tasked with, Setting emotion aside, uh, there's a reason why you don't make crucial decisions five minutes or an hour or a day after a difficult loss. And I, I also think it's very telling that we are talking about some of this stuff before they've played this game seven. And that is a reflection of just how annoyed and disappointed everybody in this town is with this hockey team right now. A win tonight, I suppose could change some of the view on that, especially if they go out and they trash the Canadians. We're going to say, well, where was that? But the fact that the fact that a lot of people are ready to move on, it's all tied. It's all tied to salary. It's not tied to quality of player. If Mitch Marner was making four and a half or $5 million a year on a bridge deal, the weight would not be as heavy on him as it is right now. And I don't like tying salary to production but in the NHL, more than any other league, there's a softer cap in the NBA. There's just such a massive cap in the NFL and contracts aren't guaranteed. It's different. And baseball has a luxury tax, not a true salary cap. The NHL, it's different. It's a hard cap. Your roster's your roster. And when you're paying a guy $11 million on an $81.5 million salary cap, you need more than what they've gotten from Mitch Marner so far in these playoffs. To Newmarket for Anthony. Anthony, what's up? Good morning, boys. Love the show, first and foremost. Secondly, I've got a brand new set of golf clubs. Some golfing this afternoon at 2.30. No what, pun intended. What are you implying? You're not, not going to just... Where are, you, where are you playing? 
Oh, Cardinal. I'm going to take my pick of the one of the 72 nice. uh, holes that they've got going over there, man. It's going to be <laughs> fantastic. But awesome. listen, guys, I know you got a long queue. Um, I've been a long-time listener, and I'm a diehard Leafs fan. But I'm a realist, okay? When they brought in Bogosian, when they brought in Thornton, when they brought in Spezza. Now, the caller before this stole my thunder. Spezza's obviously a, 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 an amazing discount at 750 but... I'm a realist, boys. You're not going to get it done getting out of a second round or fairly evident first round playoff with a roster built like this. Played a bit of junior in my days. I understand how the game's played. Uh, by no means a, a pro or, or even a semi-pro. But I know that Thornton, I know that Simmons, I know that Bogosian um, is not going to go out and win you a third round Stanley Cup playoff. I mean, Jesus, have you seen Boston and the Islanders? Did you see Florida and Tampa? You're going to tell me the boys, the buds, who I'm a you know diehard Leaf fan, are going to go out and match that intensity? So I woke up this morning, you know, a little sad, but not frustrated, not angry, not upset, and just watched this circus unfold to Game Seven. And I'll tell you, the icing is going to be on the cake here. It's going to it's going to be the exact same way. These are going to hold it tight. We're gonna get down to the uh, the wire, and it'll it'll probably be salt in the wound, Caulfield, again, close to the end of the game or an OT. But uh, I just wanted to say, boys, I, I love the show. Continue doing great uh, great work, and um, I'll be golfing uh, today, and I think the buds will be golfing tomorrow. Oh, Anthony, I hope you're half right. Enjoy your round this afternoon. Beautiful day. Uh, yeah, he's yeah he yeah he's right he's right though with a lot of the supporting cast you're not gonna they're good and they can chip in with the odd goal and they can get you by certain games but they're not gonna win you a cup. Spencer can't be your or, best player. He can't be your best offensive player. He can't be. Right. He can't be your yes. best forward. And he was in Game Six. That's a credit to him. It's a debit to everybody or else. Kerf, or Kerfoot. Like, yeah, you, you, I just I. He, he, they they need they need you have to be a team's got to be scared to play against you and if you're Colorado or Boston or Vegas or Tampa are you scared to play against the Leafs right now and I I don't think they're I don't think we're I don't think teams are thinking that and I said they're gonna have to steamroll the Canadians in four or five for the rest of the league to think that and that hasn't happened even with the win today it's not going to happen. I think it's going to, like, I, I think the if Muzzin doesn't play, you have Tavares out of the lineup and now you have Muzzin. I think those are massive losses for the team. Like, I think, I, I don't believe we realize how much of a loss that Tavares is. And now if Muzzin doesn't play, I'm guessing from watching, I haven't been told anything that it's a groin pull. You can take Annie and Flam meds. You can shoot it up, take a needle, freeze the area but he's not going to be moving around too well. And even if he does play, I can't see him going deep into the next round if they win. Right. So I just think whatever condition Muzzin's in, even if he comes back, it's going to be at a 50%. And with Tavares out, your captain, those are two big losses for you. Like, I think that's kind of lost in the shuffle here that we need to take into consideration going into a well, game. Well, Felino's not healthy either. And Felino's not well. Yeah. I just, there's, there's a lot, and now you're playing what seven games in what is it twelve twelve days? Yeah, how many days off have they had? Tw- uh, five days off. Well, and they had the back to back in game three and four, and if they win tonight, they'll play Winnipeg Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, 
Wednesday, Friday, Sunday for a seven-game series in, in, in that order. Like, there's no rest for the weary here. They've robbed themselves of any chance to chill and rest their bumps and bruises. And Muzzin like, getting hurt, yeah. Muzzin getting hurt, that doesn't happen if you take care of business in game five, right? Like, like if you want a comparison, look at Tampa Bay last year. Look at Kucherov and Stamkos. That's our Marner and Matthews. So if you want an idea of what you kind of need to win, and I know Stamkos didn't didn't play last year, but watch what they've done this year in the playoffs. That's you need those two players. Like you need are are they had a Braden Point and a Kucherov last year, or a Stamkos and Kucherov this year? Like they have one of those three guys that are going to go and do something special every single night. And it hasn't happened yet, but I've seen good teams that make deep runs. Sometimes it takes your goal scores to get into the playoffs and it just doesn't happen right away. I'm telling you, they get through to the next round. Matthews and Marner will be the best there. I'll guarantee it. I'll go on the limb here that no one else is going on next series. They get by tonight. Matthews and Marner will be the best two players on either team. Mark and Barry Mark fire away, pal. Wow. I, uh, I'm a Habs fan and to hear, to hear the Toronto fans just absolutely <laughs> throwing their team, their, their players, their, their management under the bus and, and talking about how players aren't getting up for games. Like what are we rec, rec, rec hockey players? And, and we, and we, and we know more these, these guys have been competing almost, you know, since they were five, probably competing. They know what it takes to compete, but it's sports. And sometimes things aren't easy. And, and when it's a game seven, like the game seven series are, are hard fought battles. And, and sometimes you get through a series quicker. Sometimes you don't. If I'm a Leaf fan, I don't want to be in this situation, but I'm not going to be throwing my team under the bus. See, these, you know, hey, as a, as a Habs fan, I'm, I'm, ex, I'm excited that it's gone to seven games, but I don't want this team to win this series because Bergevin can't put together a quality team. And, and if they somehow win because it's worth it now to pay a goalie $10.5 million a year, you know, Price is, price is showing everyone it's worth now $10.5 million to pay a goalie. That I don't want my team to win, but if I'm a Leaf fan, I'm not throwing my team on it. This is disgusting. Support your team. They're fighting hard. They're battling. It's not. It's not panning out the way they want it. But uh, that's just how sports you, goes. You you just said you don't want your team to win, and you're telling Leafs fans to support their team. There's no no no. There's a reason. The the the, the Montreal Canadiens since Bridgman has been in place, he hasn't put together a, a team that has any offense. They're they're having challenges putting the, the puck in the net. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they know they got firepower. It's just they're being stopped by a good goalie. They added really good pieces in the offseason. And, and let's face it, everyone knows that this Maple Leafs team has been. This has looked like the best Maple Leafs team that they've put together since since Shanahan's been in place. It's just not going their, their way. It's not going the way that everyone thought it would go. But, hey, that doesn't mean that they can't come out tonight and win 4 nothing. And it doesn't mean that they can't play the Winnipeg Jets and beat them in five or six games. Just don't throw your team under the bus because they don't deserve it. We'll leave it there. Mark and Barry. Who'd have thought a Habs fan would jump to the Toronto Maple mm. Leafs defense more than anybody else this morning? 
Yeah, uh, Leafs Nation has had enough though. Like they've if they can't get by this, I I don't I don't blame fans. Like neither do I. I know my phone my phone's been blowing it. up. I don't I don't blame them. It's this is this one would be tough. This and this one would be the worst out of any of the last four or five well, playoffs. Yeah, just, I, I, it, let me throw a little context at you, Ziggy, because as you know, I'm a close follower of the Chicago Cubs. This spring marks the 54th year since the Leafs won the Stanley Cup. That is exactly half the time of the 108-year World Series drought of the Chicago Mm -hmm. Cubs that they finally nixed in 2016. And my point is, is that do you think those Cubs players were under a microscope in 2016? And they got it done. These Leafs players are under a microscope right now playing a team, the historic rival, that they are clearly on paper better than. This is an opportunity. And they're talking like it's an opportunity. I'm watching Sportsnet Central. I'm seeing all the clips. I can tell they're trying to talk themselves into believing it because they don't want to be in Game 7 any more than anybody else wants to watch them in Game 7. They, they know they could have taken care of business sooner, but they are where they're at. They got to win this hockey game tonight. I don't care how ugly it is. They got to win. Yeah. Yeah. It's I I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering how they're going to come out of the gate. Like I, I know I said the, all the pressures on the Leafs, but I'm telling you right now, the Canadians will feel it now, now that they're like, wow, we can actually win a playoff series and knock off one of the cup favorites who had one of the best records in the whole league. You know, had an Austin Matthews, the leading goal scorer. Like, it would be, it would be such an accomplishment for this Canadians team because of what they went through this year. COVID, uh, weak, you know, weak up the middle, young guys. I mean, Caulfield and Kotkaniemi didn't even start the series, and Kotkaniemi's putting in game winners, and Caulfield's been the biggest offensive threat for the Canadians. Like, they've gone through a lot. The Price hasn't been in net, battling injuries. His game hasn't been there. Like coaching change. It's a team that's been through a lot. And I think they're going to feel it. I think they're going to feel some pressure tonight. Like uh, they're going to have to play a perfect game and not get ahead of themselves. If they want to win tonight, I'm, I'm feeling good about the Leafs tonight. Text line uh, is wide open at five ninety five ninety. Here's a Habs fan on a six, four, seven number. Mark and Barry is a fraud Habs fan. Go Habs go. So now we got fans of the same team turning on each other. East Coast Leafs fan from a 506 number saying, tell the Habs fans who keep calling in to bite it. All right. A lot of Habs fans in Toronto, I'm telling you. Damn right. Half, Absolutely. Half my family. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of Leafs fans in Montreal as well. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Braun, Andrew Raycroft, Andrew Berkshire, Christopher Stieg, all ahead. Leafs and Habs, game seven tonight. The Blue Jays had a pretty good week, but they left a real sour taste in our mouths with the way they lost the final game of the doubleheader in Cleveland yesterday. We will pause momentarily and talk a little Blue Jays and MLB with John Paul Morosi next. Lead.
I'm just, I'm just enjoying the music. That wasn't me starting late. We're starting on time. Starting on time. Well, in an effort to change the pace a little bit and talk a little baseball, but also to talk to somebody who would be well familiar with the successes of the Toronto Maple Leafs in a seventh game, uh, we turn to, uh, from the MLB Network, a noted Detroit Red Wings fan, John Paul Morosi. Hello. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. You are, you are a wonderful, your, fan, your, fun, your fandom is a wonderful reminder of times when the Leafs won game seven, so it's a good omen. Exactly. And, and so if, if by having me on the air, it reminds you of Borshevsky in 1993, and, and if by, by remembering a great Leafs triumph, I can help ease some of the anxiety of this day for Leafs Nation. I am more than happy to do that as an honorary Torontonian here. So uh, I, I, and I wish, guys, that, that the Blue Jays had had a game uh, that would be uh, played tonight at 7 p.m. so that way you, you'd at least have some diversion to, to be able to take your eyes off hockey if it was getting too much. But sure enough, it's a day off for the Blue Jays. So truly, all, all eyes, all attention are going to be on uh, the Leafs and Habs unless you're going to get really invested in uh, the Olympic qualifying tournament for Team Canada. Uh, they play tonight at 7 p.m. as well. Uh, John Tim Shevelday Morosi is with us on leadoff, and he's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So, well done, Scott. That, that was that was smooth, my friend. Well uh, done. Well done. Just, you know, you, you give us the you give us the next name with Paul, so I just I replaced it briefly. Um, yesterday afternoon's end to the doubleheader in my estimation was the worst loss of the season for the Blue Jays, John. And there have been a few of those to choose from in the last two and a half weeks since the home series against Boston down in Dunedin. That was an absolute meltdown of the nth degree. And I know the focus is on Tyler Chatwood as it should be Charlie Montoyo, perhaps for the decision to leave him in. It actually started an inning earlier when Steven Matz sort of fell apart after the Santiago Espinal air. That's just, that is just yet another game. This good young team has coughed up and maybe it's a reminder that they're good, but they're not quite there yet. Right. And I think Scott, that was a very appropriate, um, avatar for for this team in the month of may of course as we have the final day of may today the, the jays have had in in some ways a very respectable month of may they've got a winning record uh they have won two road series uh, of course uh, against the indians and against the yankees the, this last week the, the manoa debut was very exciting but if they want to make any progress in this division that game yesterday that you're talking about has to be a win. And Chatwood has obviously had some control issues in the past, but understanding all that, that needs to be a win. And the reason why is the depth right now of the AL East reminds me of the way it used to be in the early 2000s when it was clearly the best division in baseball. Now, we could argue right now, we look at the Padres, Giants, and Dodgers and, and that group in the NL West, but – I would say, and this is not going to be much consolation for Blue Jays fans, 
There is no better fourth-place team in baseball now than the Toronto Blue Jays. They're, they're a good team, but they have the great misfortune of being in, in this division. And you look at this month of May, for example, the Jays, having won those two road series that I mentioned in the last week, finish May with a 15-13 and 13 record, which is obviously not great, but it's respectable. Well, the problem is in this division, a 15-13 and 13 record in May was six and a half games off the pace of what the Rays did in May. And, and that's simply not going to be good enough. There, there is too much quality. While they had a solid month, they were worse in May than the Rays. They were worse in May than the Yankees, and they were worse in May than the Red Sox. It's going to be very, very hard for this team to, to climb up into a playoff position just because of the overall depth and quality of this uh, American League East this season. It seems like everyone's questioning Charlie Montoya's decisions with who to bring in at what time, but leaving Chatwood in for all those walks, why in a game like that would he not go to Romano? Like, why would he leave him in in general, but why not go to Romano again? And and you can't make the case that, well, he played earlier in the doubleheader, right? Liam Hendricks just did it with the White Sox the day before. Why not Romano back-to-back, and and why leave Chatwood in that long? Well, it's a fair question. I, I do think that every team is going to have its own use protocols with respect to pitchers throwing twice in the same day. And as you point out, Romano did pitch in game one. It was a it was not an easy inning for him necessarily. He threw 17 pitches. If he had thrown eight or nine, if it had been a very breezy seventh inning in, in the first game, maybe, uh, maybe the Jays feel more comfortable bringing him back. But uh, I think that speaks to probably an organizational policy, and I think one of the one of the real key things here is Chatwood is again we can argue probably Charlie should have got him out of the game sooner. Chatwood right now, by virtue of his his contract, his experience, uh, and other injuries that have happened elsewhere in the Jays staff, he's one of their guys right now. That they uh, he he has that prominent role in the bullpen. Because they're really uh, the the options to go to again, and you mentioned Romano. It's a fair point, but there there not uh, there are not plentiful options for for Charlie to call upon uh, late in the game, and so he's probably trying to get Chatwood to be able to work out of it. But it's a really hard thing to do to watch somebody walk five guys, and and that was a a very very hard way to lose the game. It really should have been a win for the Jays. You should have had a a, a nice finish that series and feel great about it instead uh, you lose a game there in game two uh, it's to me it does speak to there are plenty of valid questions about the Jays bullpen management I, I would give Charlie a little bit of uh, grace here just because there have been so many injuries to this bullpen since the start of the season but moments like yesterday whether it's on Chatwood or on Charlie they, they are very very tough to take for a team we're clearly every single win, every single day is very precious if they want to catch some of the best teams in baseball. Well, we we got to remember that Charlie was burned by bringing in Travis Bergen in place of Tyler Chatwood in, I think it was the Sunday game against the Rays. I'm having trouble keeping track of all the disappointments late in the game over the last couple of weeks. So he's probably got that in the back of his mind. I'm quite sure that he was told or was told and decided himself that there would be no Romano and no Dolis for the second time in the same day. And then you look down in that bullpen and you say to yourself, well, what are the other options? He goes to Anthony Castro 
after the game is tied. So A.J. Cole was not his preferred choice, and Cole pitched in some high leverage for the Blue Jays last season. Like, it, it gets pretty thin pretty quick. So as I sit here and, and think, yeah, Charlie Montoyo, did he mishandle yesterday? If if he mishandled yesterday, it was in the way that Joe Siddle suggested he did in between the two games before the second game meltdown, which was you had Ross Stripling through five with a three-to-one lead in game one. He was throwing the ball pretty good, and then you got rid of him and brought in Dolis for the sixth and Romano for the seventh. But on the flip side of that coin, how far do you really want to take it with Stripling? Because at that point, at that point, you're about to get through the third, uh, start the third turn through the Cleveland lineup, and you never really know how quickly it can fall apart with Stripling. Like, I want to land this at the manager's feet. I don't want to come out as defending Charlie Montoyo for yesterday, but the bottom line is this. As somebody who follows the Cubs closely, John, that's the Tyler Chatwood I'm used to. This 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 right. alien, and it's the most beautiful alien I've ever seen, but this alien that has inhabited Tyler Chatwood's body for the first two months of the season has been wonderful to witness, but that is... That is not abnormal. It is to Jays fans, but it's not to anybody who's cheered for teams for which he's pitched in the past. Right. He, he is someone who has pretty profound control problems. That, that, that has been part of his, his career story, unfortunately, because to your, point, to your point, he is a tremendous teammate, really well-respected in the game, uh, has great stuff. We know that. But you look at his last four outings, Scott, he has walked, and again, this is not going to surprise you, he has walked ten batters in the last four and a third innings. And, and that, is, that is not a competitive run of form. It's just not. There are too many non-competitive pitches. And once, and once he starts missing, he really misses a lot for a while. And, and they have to determine – what the next fix is and, and when they can trust him, because when you have a lack of strikes like this, where do you where do you find a, a soft landing spot to get him in to a game and rebuild his confidence? It, it is a it is a riddle right now to, to find where the right spot is for him. And, and I think too, again, I'll, I'll circle back to this. When you look at the at the Jays this season, they have it is fair if if, if a Jays fan wants to say, hey, listen, we have made some poor decisions, whether it's with the bullpen or, or just poor execution on the field late in games that have undermined this team's performance, that's, that's correct. I mean, their, their, their run differential is, is substantially better than what their record indicates. So basically they, they have underperformed their run differential. That's true. That, that is a statistical truth. But it's, it's also a, a young team that is probably prone to not executing great and also a bullpen that's undermanned. And so while we could argue that, that perhaps there are some moves that could have been made or should have been made at different times, I, I do think it's important to give Charlie uh, a, a wide berth here and say, listen, he's, he's been dealing with the bullpen where uh, option one, option two to close games have been unavailable for really most of the season, and he's actually done a pretty admirable job uh, sewing things together for a lot of the season. With John Paul Morosi on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Alec Manoa... I don't know if you can do it in one wow. start, but he, I think he's solidified a spot in the rotation. 
I mean, his debut buys him at least one bad start. He's got a very beatable opponent in Miami on Wednesday night in Buffalo. Like he, if if he can be a piece here, John, and a guy who can give you six innings or so every five, six nights, that not only helps the rotation, it obviously helps the bullpen. Oh yeah, and he was great. He was poised. That's that's Yankee Stadium debut. Uh, he was in the zone with quality stuff. And this circles back to something. First of all, I'm glad that all the hype that we've had about Manoa in our conversations going back to spring training was validated. You always wonder as you step out and say, as we were talking about what he could do, like, oh, yeah, I think he's ready. He's going to be a great contributor early in the season. And then he doesn't. I think we all take a sigh of relief, like, ah, yes. Uh, like, go back and check the tape from our conversation in March, and we all feel good about it. But I think he – to me, you're right. He has earned additional starts. He has earned, I think, a lot of, uh, a lot, really, a lot of runway here to prove that he can do this. And one of the key things, and we've touched on it before, is is he really has surpassed Pearson as as their preeminent young starting pitcher, and and he gives the rotation something it does not have, which is a right-handed pitcher with stuff. That is something that that was supposed to be Pearson's mantle. It's not. Pearson was not able to throw strikes. He was not able to stay healthy. And Manoa can do both of those things. He looks very durable, uh, repeatable delivery, stuff is in the zone and quality. Uh, love all of that. And, and I really think that when you consider how, how left-handed this rotation is and to the extent to which um, they don't have a lot of guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour, he just he stands out. He stands. He gives. He gives the rotation a look that it does not otherwise have, and for that reason, even beyond his performance, he, he needs to be in this rotation. The Jays need someone exactly like him, and uh, to start on Broadway. My goodness, uh, a lot of fun to watch him pitch, and, and uh, can't wait to do it again. Well, we're summoning the ghosts of Tim Shevelday here in Toronto tonight, John, and we'll see how it all plays out. Leafs and Habs and. Who knows? If it doesn't go according to plan, uh, we'll be focused on the Blue Jays and on Major League Baseball through the summer. Our chats each week, we look forward to them. Sounds great. Rest assured, my friends, you have a great native of the state of Michigan between the pipes for the Leafs tonight, Mr. Campbell from Port Huron. So you, you, you have the support of my great home state, although Mr. Petrie on the Hab side has uh, uh, got a, a multi-generational Michigan athlete as well. So there's, there's divided loyalties yes. around here. Yes, his father, Dan, pitched for the Detroit Tigers for a number of years, although Jeff's mustache is, that's a tough caterpillar, man. That is a tough, <laughs> tough look. Tough look. Well, who, who do you, who do you have uh, tonight? Well, who, 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 enjoy Game Seven tonight, my friends. I'll be watching on CBC and thinking of all of you as I do. Well, Ziggy who, wants to know who you. Who got. are you feeling? Oh, I remember guess I where go you're on. Right? Remember where you're on, John. <laughs> well, I, well, I saw, I'm just saying. I uh, let's say let's put it this way. I think, based on recent form. The Habs will win, but my heart is with you guys in the Leafs. That's how, that's how I feel. Okay, so, I mean, you love to come on here and you talk a little Italian. Sometimes you talk a little Spanish. you got to learn to parlay the Francais because your friends are now in Montreal. You've just, uh, you've heard us, pal. I just told you, you how, where I think, where I think, who I think will win, but I said my heart is with you, okay? You're that's allowed to lie, John. You're allowed to lie. Sorry, sorry guys, my, my apologies. <laughs> we'll talk next week, bud. Always good to hear your voice. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. John Palmarosi of MLB Network, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom.
Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. His heart is with us, but his head says the Habs. Stick to baseball, Morosi. I think I think we needed to jump in with big voice guy there. Stephen Brunt is waiting. Uh, we'll get into Leafs Habs. We'll talk a little Blue Jays as well. Andrew Raycroft uh, will be along next hour. Andrew Berkshire of the Montreal Gazette. Christopher Stieg for his weekly Monday hit at 8.30. But uh, we're pleased to be joined now uh, by one of the co-hosts of Writer's Block alongside Jeff Blair. 3 to 5 Eastern time each weekday here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the one, the only, Stephen Brunt. So, Stephen, it's the... It's the game seven mm-hmm. that nobody who cheers for the local team wants. How many times have we gone into a game seven saying we resent this? That That's the feeling I have. <laughs> that's the feeling I have. Yeah. It, this should have ended. Yeah, up 3-1 up uh, against the team that you finished way, way ahead of during the regular season and that you essentially dominated during the regular season. You had the series under control. You were ready to move on to the second round, which is the minimal expectation for every fan, every Leaf fan on earth. The minimal expectation was to win a round and suddenly you find yourself in this spot. Um, yeah, that's, that's not, oh, isn't, there's nothing better in sports than a game seven. I, uh, I think many Leaf fans would say, yeah, there is actually, you know, it's a comfortable, put, put the series away, short, uh, victory and let's move on. That would have been way better. Um, this is, uh, I've been kind of searching my memory banks for an equivalent to this. You know, I've covered the Leafs for a long time. Um, I haven't got one. You know, I honestly haven't got one. This, this, there, like, there've been game sevens in there. Lord, Lord knows there've been a couple of choke jobs, but um, I think this is the this is the capper for a whole bunch of reasons. When you're looking at how this team got to this point, are you looking at the big boys not showing up, coaching staff getting prepared, or is this? A roster construction for you, team philosophy, and on why they're having trouble with a team like the Canadians. Well, if it's roster construction, team philosophy, then you know, like we've all got to recant a whole bunch of things we've been saying, right? Because mm-hmm. I think we're pretty secure with the roster construction, and this is the master plan, and you know, it's been unfolded over several seasons, going back to the the tanking year, and uh, I think everybody was pretty darn happy with it. You know, aside from the you know people being worried about goaltending going into the series, which has been a non-issue. So, yeah, I, I can't go and say, well, the plan was flawed because we all endorsed the plan. You know, I, I, I may be missing somebody, but, you know, and in terms of coaching, you know, the continuing mystery of the power play, I don't, but that's, you know, that did happen during the regular season too. And it's, it is hard to look at that group and say, how come you're not better? I, you know, somebody smarter than me has got to f- explain that one, the X's and O's part, but I don't get that. So maybe that's coaching. But, you know, at a certain, like, like you know, let's go into the old cliche drawer here. You know, um, you know, in the biggest games, your best players have got to be your best players. They do, right? That's mm-hmm. that's how you got here. And um, you, you know, you dominated the regular season this year because of an extraordinarily talented group of forwards, but especially, you know, your your top three, top six, and especially your top two, right? That like that's just. We we they, you know if you and if you get all the hosannas all year long, uh, it's fine for people to point fingers at this stage and say, "Hey, come on," <laughs> you know. Like I I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not scapegoating. Um, the, that's those are realistic expectations based on what we saw all year long. And and you know I, I like, again I'm not going to pretend to be a guy who can you know break that down and say, "Well, here's why those two guys have not performed," or "Here's why," you know, a team that. Um, you know, again, could be dazzling offensively during the regular season, especially the top line. 
um, seems to have been frustrated and shut down by this Canadians team. You know, Carey Price is part of it, but yeah, it's it's it is absolutely legit to hold those guys accountable right now because if not now, when? Well, I'll take it one step further on, particularly on Marner. To his credit, he held his ground and he got paid. And I don't think yep. there's anybody in this conversation who has a problem with any athlete maximizing his dollar number. But in well, the, probably, you know what, Scotty? There probably is somebody who has a problem with that, but they shouldn't, right? Like, well, you should get as much money as you can when you can. Careers are short. Um, they are the value in the system. They deserve to get paid. There are people who resent athletes making money listening right. to this. I guarantee you. Right. But you're right. Right. Yeah. And, and there are people who resent athletes making money in all of this. And what they don't realize is that they're bowing at the altar of the billionaires who pay the athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you want to be mad at the millionaires, and then that's advantageous for the billionaires. So um, yep. let's side with the thousandaires over the millionaires and let's side with the millionaires over the billionaires. But that's an aside. The Marner conversation then goes to, well, in the hardest-capped league of the North American so-called Big Four, we can't help but tie salary to production. And I know there's no salary cap in the playoffs, but it's not like you overhaul your roster, right? I mean, your roster's Mm -hmm. your roster. And so when you hold your organization's feet to the fire and you maximize the dollar and get the term that you want on your contract, you have to perform. And, and, and that's the bottom line. We understand the human element dictates that that may not always be the case, but there is a price to pay in the public sphere in terms of the opinions, in terms of the things said about you. It shouldn't ever get personal, but people can criticize your play. And that's where it's at with Mitch Marner right now. The conversation for tomorrow and beyond, Stephen, if the Leafs don't win tonight, is how far does it get within the organization and what does this team look like if they lose Game 7? Well, that's, I like, let's, yeah, we're imagining the unimaginable now for Leaf fans, but it's, you know, although I guess it's pretty imaginable right now, right? You could, anybody can lose a game. But, uh, like, I, I, that's the other thing that's been going through my head, especially since... Uh, game six, maybe since game five, is if they found a way to lose this series, what do you do, right? Because, um, again, the every bit of this roster was constructed for this moment. The money was invested, as you say, within a cap system, um, a portion to people, to players. So you said, these are our core guys, and these are the guys who are going to carry us over the finish line. These are, you know, just coming, just in their, you know, approaching. Oh, they're in their prime. Um you know, primes are earlier than they – but, you know, again, they're, these, these are the foundation pieces of your team. And you've got a coach there who, you know, came in halfway through the previous season, who, but who was the handpicked coach of the general manager. The general manager was the handpicked executive of the president. He had to make a choice at one point. This is the guy he opted for. And, again, generally these are all people on whom we have sh- uh, showered praise the last – low these many months for, for good reason, right? They – it's a, it was a f- fun team to watch this year. It was a, an inordinately se- successful team this year. They had a couple little tiny wobbles, but, you know, in a weird circumstance, playing in empty buildings, they I say a lot of nights they were dazzling. So I how you take this apart and put it back together again if you fail in this series, and again, this failure in the series, this, is un, this would be an unequivocal disaster. There's no, you cannot uh, couch this in any way. You can't say, well, yeah, but... There is no yeah, but 
I haven't got a yeah but here. Um, or I'll wait till next year. Uh, it's it's disastrous, right? It's like you know, it's like finding out there's no no Santa Claus, right? That you know, you, you can't go back. And so I I have no idea what you do if they lose tonight. You know, you're gonna fire a coach. I don't know. Then you know, this is the guy you wanted. He was a great coach in the regular season. Everybody liked him. Um, you're gonna take your roster apart. How are you gonna do that? You know, uh, other than you know, sacrificing extraordinarily talented players, you know, uh, with your back against a wall. And I'm not even sure you can do that if you want to. I'm, I'm not sure. I have no idea what you do, to be honest. Um, I don't think Kyle Dubas is getting fired uh, if they lose tonight. I, But, you know, you tell me. You tell me what happens tomorrow morning if they lose. Because I, I honestly, God, have no idea. I wish I wish I could come up with something, you know, prescient here. But I haven't got it on this one. I, I think you just grit your teeth and wait for October, which sounds pretty horrible, by the way. Yeah, it does. And I, I, I said the same thing earlier in the show. I, I don't know what they do after this. And I think it would be the worst than any of those game seven collapses against the Bruins or last year against Columbus. It, it, well, it would be worse. bad. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm with, a- I'm with you. I, I, I don't even know what the answer is. Like, what do you do? Like trade, trade your team. I just, everything's going to be around. We'll trade, trade Marner. Well, you're going to lose in that situation. You're not, whatever yes. return you get for him, like uh, whoever you need lander, like whoever you want to throw in there, you're going to lose. On that trade, well, so. of course. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Nylander because, of course, he was the one guy everybody did want to run out of town yeah. you know, for long stretches, yeah. and a guy who, and, and Scotty, when you reference contract stuff, a guy who, you know, every dollar he was paid, people resented. Mm-hmm. And look at him, you know. Now he's people bad. are saying, "How come he's not players. playing? How come he's not playing 20 minutes a night? He's the best player on the ice." Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, there's like this is where yeah, like if it's as simple as okay, you know, the coach has played out the string. Um, it's time for a, diff- a fresh approach. You know, uh, like if this was ha- if this was happening in the last days of Babcock, yeah, it's easy, right? Get rid of him, get rid of him, bring in a young guy, bring mm-hmm. in a different kind of guy. But that's this is the first days of Sheldon Keefe, and he's their guy. You know, he's their and he guy. Has a, he hasn't had training camp. He hasn't had a full training camp regular. That's right. Season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. what? No, that's that, like that's part of you know because again, people are going to be out if they lose tonight. Um, you know, if they look, if they win tonight, people are still going to be nervous, but there, there will be, you know, some relief and then they can start fretting about the next series. But if they lose like this, it's pitchforks and torches time. It, it, you know, if you were allowed on the street, uh, there would be pitchforks and torches, but to what end, to what end, you know, if you, if, if you're going to, you know, paint your big banner to carry in protest tomorrow, if they lose, what would it say? Mm -hmm. Please don't break our hearts anymore. (laughs) I'm upset. I'm mad. Uh, not again. But I, you know, in terms of the way forward, like this is, I, I say it's. It almost in my long history of writing about sports and covering sports, I think this one's unique because I haven't. I guess I haven't seen a Leaf team. Well, everything's weird this year too, and again because of the hot house season. But it, you know, in a lot of ways, it was on a plate for them the way it played out this year, right? They, they have coasted spectacularly through most of this season. They beaten up on the same teams over and over again. It's, you know, kind of asserting their dominance, and uh, we're the toast of the town, even though no one could be in the building and all of that stuff. But uh, I expectations, you know, I you, you know normally you would say, well, in Toronto, expectations are out of whack. No, expectations are in whack. <laughs> expectations mm-hmm. are absolutely appropriate, which is that you win two rounds, get out of this division, and then let's see what happens. Like that is not crazy dreaming. That's not fan stuff. That's absolutely and totally rational based on what we have seen this season. So, yeah, I'm not, as I said, I'm not sure I've got one. 
I, I, I've, I've got the great historic parallel for this. If they do pull this off, who starts in game one with the Jets? And the reason I'm asking is because Leonard went in for Vegas, and I know it's a different situation. They're going, they finished at seven games as well, but they're going into Colorado where Leafs would host the Jets. But I kind of like the move going to Leonard with Vegas. What do you, do you think Campbell starts in game one? I think that's probably a call for medical and training people and kind of kind of to assess where he is, make sure he's not burnt out and make sure he's not too sore, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, do you, let, like, let's flip that, you know, and again, no, I'm not sure anybody was going to beat Colorado last night. Like, they were flying mm-hmm. last night. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure that was, that wasn't Leonard's fault. But, well, let's say, you know, you win tonight, you get into game one against Winnipeg, you say, we're going to give Jack a breather, and Freddie Anderson goes in and he's bad, and you lose. Um like mm-hmm. you just, I don't think you have a ton of wiggle room here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like to, uh, I just don't think you're, you know, you're like, like he's been good. You know, I, I don't like none of this is Jack Campbell's fault. Um, but yeah, would you risk? You can't give a game away. We risk giving a game away unless you you think the guy's on fumes, and he might be. Right? It's going to be. It's been a tough series. Obviously, there's going to be no real break. Um, you know, he has had injury issues. Uh, but that's that's I think it's more of a medical decision. But if he's healthy, he plays to me. Mm-hmm. With Stephen Brunt. But <laughs> let's hope for the sake of Leaf fans yeah. we, that we actually that's actually a discussion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let, let's <laughs> let's worry about tonight, and then we can break it all down tomorrow, and and hope that we're not having a breakdown. Uh, very quickly on the situation yesterday, the back half of the doubleheader. It, it occurred to me as I was watching Tyler Chatwood uh, die on the mound. Mm-hmm. that, you know, Charlie... So I'm I'm working off, I think, what is the correct assumption, which is is that Charlie was either told and or decided you've got no Romano and you've got no Dolis. They pitched earlier today in game one. Can't use him again. Yeah. I, I'm thinking Charlie's looking at Chatwood, who was worse, I think, yesterday than he was in the game last week against Tampa Bay. At least every now and then he was pumping a strike in. But he's looking at it going, oh, geez, I got burned by Travis Bergen when I tried this last time. And and Chatwood, you know, stared me off the mound and made it very clear he was mad that I was taking him out. Do I go to A.J. Cole? Do I go to Anthony Castro? Well, that's kind of Bergen-esque. I don't let this guy work through it. I, I, people were lampooning Charlie, and I understand the frustration. But for me, as a close follower of the Chicago Cubs, Stephen... Yeah, I've seen this Tyler Chatwood before. I, I appreciate yeah. the alien who's inhabited his body for the first two months of the season, and I hope that that alien returns tomorrow. But this Tyler Chatwood exists, and it's reared its ugly head a couple of times in the last week, eight, nine days. Yeah, well, the scenario you described is, you know, Charlie overthinking it, you know, right? Like, I think, like, like I'm okay in the first game. I, I know people say, well, why didn't you just, you know, leave Stripling in there to finish it out? Why did you bring out the big guns? You're your two best relievers to close it out. But, you know, I haven't seen games, enough games slip away this year. Uh, and again, not like that Cleveland lineup is exactly murderer's row, but I kind of, I understand Charlie saying, okay, we're not going to screw around here. Like, let's let's win the game in front of us first, and then we'll worry about the second game. I get that. You know, maybe it's overkill. And, you know, a little too reactive to things that have happened in the past. Maybe there's not, you know, he hasn't seen enough of good raw stripling to worry about. And again, you know, that would kind of fly in the face of the Chatwood thing. But has, hasn't seen enough of the good raw stripling to believe that he can send him through the order third time. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think that's a a data decision necessarily. I, I do know, you know, obviously there's the third time through thing. A lot of teams just don't do it. But uh, I, I so I get I understand kind of overkilling on game one, and that takes Romano and the lease out of game two. And they say, okay, well, when we get to game two, we'll worry about that. Uh, and I understand kind of going to Chatwood when he did because Chatwood was so good, you know, for the first X number of appearances, and you don't want to completely – like, you don't want to give up on him unless you have to because, like, you know, it's getting a little thin out there, right, in terms of alternatives that you that you have great faith in. But the thing I don't understand, and I think this is where maybe Charlie overthunk it a bit, was uh, was going into the seventh inning with Chatwood again, bringing him back and not having anybody hot. You know, like 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 bringing in Castro is not a sure thing. Uh, bringing in AJ Cole would not have been a sure thing. Like you, you tell me, there's not a lot of sure things left at that stage in that bullpen. But you have to have an alternative, and you know they you could have ended up bringing in one of those other guys in the pen, and they would have been lit up. Um, you know, just like or 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 you know, fell apart like Bergen did in the game you referenced. But you've got to have an alternative if Chadwood can't throw a strike. You just because you've seen this before, and that's the part I don't get. You know, I I, I don't I don't understand why somebody. You got a day off today. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. you're burning arms. Uh, I would have had somebody. You know, uh, and in case of glass or emergency break glass guy, and and it still might have ended the same way, but. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know, you know, it's, I, I'm, and I heard Charlie afterwards, you know, he's pretty defensive about it, saying, well, you know, he's, he's, he's got to produce, it's, he's got two innings, that's the deal, Chatwood's got to produce for us, but, uh, you know, what if he doesn't, because it's baseball, and uh, yeah, I, I think he kind of boxed, I think he boxed himself in there, which is unfortunate, they probably should have swept that double, double header, that's not a very good, like, it's amazing that Cleveland team, with the lineup they have, and only having two starting pitchers right now, you know that they're an above 500 team yeah. um you know they they should have owned them you know they and they did pretty much own them in that series uh we'll leave it there Stephen. uh tonight should be interesting and uh wherever we are one week from now uh we will discuss it uh hopefully for <laughs> leafs fans in the middle of a series with winnipeg thank you for this all right see you guys you bet Stephen brunt co-host with jeff blair of writer's block three to five each and every day here on sportsnet 590 the fan andrew raycroft andrew berkshire the Andrews over the next 20 minutes on the program. But first, here's what we're talking about this morning on leadoff. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Leafs and Habs, game seven tonight. That's it. That's that's what we're talking about this morning. <laughs> on Sportsnet Nothing else is going on in the world. <laughs> no, nobody cares. Oh, it. yeah, the Blue Jays won yesterday and they lost yesterday. And they don't play tonight, they play tomorrow. There you have it. Oh, Some NBA basketball play, uh, playoffs continued. Now, this is it. This is it. So let's turn to uh, a former Maple Leafs goaltender, a guy who's spent enough time in Toronto to know what must be going on in our minds this morning. Here he is uh, from Nesson. And uh, like I said, former Leafs goaltender Razor, Andrew Raycroft, is here. Well, 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 sir. Good morning, gang. We're on a normal (laughs) one today. (laughs) I've been thinking of you guys for the past 48 hours, almost exclusively. Um, about how much fun Monday morning was going to be, and probably Tuesday morning, one way or the other. So you're not here right now. You're in Boston. Your annoying team is rolling along, <laughs> beating the Islanders, doing what it does. From as far away as you are, but based on the experience you've had, what do you think it's like here right now? Oh, 
I know exactly what it's like right there, and I know exactly what it's like for the players. And the the one caveat, I suppose, is there's no one in the building. There's no one coming into the room. You're not. I mean, can you imagine the media scrum this morning in the actual dressing room? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if people could be there, it would be electric. Uh, it would be Super Bowl media day times a hundred, and. So, so that's the one thing that changes for me that I don't know. That's that must be odd. That the guys should be able to bubble themselves pretty well, and they should be able to stay away from the nervousness of every Leaf fan, of every person riding the the commuter rail this morning, uh, people coming into the building. So, I think that's beneficial. Uh, not to feel that nervous energy the last 48 hours, the last 36 hours in the city, um, not having to go out to dinner and, and having everything already set up and not having to talk about it. I think that does benefit the Toronto Maple Leafs. What is a guy like Jack Campbell thinking this morning going into this game? He He's not the reason they've lost any of the last, uh, any of the games, especially the last two. I thought he was excellent on Saturday but momentum's a big thing and with goaltending what how does he get ready for this does it change uh added pressure uh how does a guy like that go through this this whole series now that you're going to game seven well you're not it's definitely added pressure and he's he's probably has his good mental game on his good quotes and you know thinking in the moment staying in the moment not thinking anything of the result. Uh, not not to mention, too, don't forget, guys, he's probably going up against the best one-game goalie that anyone would pick in the National Hockey League. If you had one game to win, who do you want? And that's Carey Price down at the other end. So for Jack Campbell, it's all, it, it is all about staying in the moment. Don't think about the outcome. Don't think about the consequences, the responsibility of the outcome. Um, I, I know I wish I had done a better job of that when I was there. And just go out and play. And and to your point, Ziggy, he's played really well. Even in the losses, the last couple of games, he's kept his team in it. And and also have belief that your team's going to score. You know, stay stay confident that it's not going to be 57 minutes till they score a goal. Uh, the, this team should find a way to get a goal or two and, and get Jack Campbell some confidence that way as well. With Andrew Raycroft, here's another one. We know who the better team on paper is. It's Toronto. So are the referees going to have the you-know-whats to call this game properly if that's what's required? If we're leaving it to the referees, that's that's a problem. No, I'm talking about the water skiing. I'm talking about all the crap that goes on in the neutral zone to try to slow guys up. I'm talking about abusive superstars and all that. Are they going to have the guts to call a penalty if it's necessary in a one-goal game or a tie game with seven minutes left in the third period if it's a legitimate penalty? Or is it going to be, well, you know, uh, we've given this team two power plays and this team one. We can't give the two power play team a third. That's not fair. Like, are they going to call the game? It's been It's been more managed up there than in other series and i'm not sure if that's canada i'm not sure if that's being up i'm not sure but i know down here like 
Bruins have had a couple games where they've had set, they had seven penalties and Washington had three. They weren't managing it down the same way in some of these series. So I hear the passion in your question, and that I hate to give you an on-the-fence answer, but I'm not sure. I'm really not, and, and that's obviously been an advantage for the Montreal Canadiens the last couple of games. I mentioned momentum before. Do you not think with the Canadians, though, we know what it's like, right? You're playing with house money, but you come and win game five and game six. Do you think there's, I'm trying to tell Scotty, I don't think it's a complete, oh, let's just go out there. If we win, we win, whatever happens, right? Because that's what game five and six was like for them. We lose tonight, we're going home. But now they have a chance to get through to the next series. Is there some kind of added pressure? You think that in that Canadians room where they might feel a little bit more tonight than they did in games five and six? I would agree with that, especially definitely not Carey Price, definitely not the higher-end guys, and definitely not the guys that have been around a long time because they, they don't want the pressure of having to lose in, in five games. So there's a lot of pressure on that game for a guy like Carey Price. So it's probably leveled out for him, but certainly for the – the bottom half guys, the guys that play 12, 13 minutes, there's a lot of pressure on them tonight, and they're going to feel it a lot more. In game five, ah, we're almost out of it. If, if yeah. I make a mistake, no big deal. Now I've got the eyes of the hockey world on me on my first shift, so I think they're going to feel it. The, guy, the, the 17-minute defenseman that doesn't want to make a bad breakout pass. So that will be interesting to see how – how all of the role players react to the pressure that they didn't have in game five that they do now in game seven. With Andrew Raycroft on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan, I think, I mean, aside from the general angst approaching a game seven, it's a game seven, as I've coined it, that nobody in this city wants, except for maybe the Habs fans who, who we tolerate, who live in our midst. But I, I don't think that there's any, any, any Leafs fan in this city that wants this game tonight, which is really weird to say because games number seven are the best. But, mm-hmm. but this should have ended sooner. I think part of the disappointment, Razor, is that even if the Leafs advance, any of us who are watching Tampa Carolina, Colorado Vegas, Boston, the way they handled the Islanders last night, it's real hard, and Ziggy has tried to focus in this morning and say, hey, you know, you win tonight, you get on to Winnipeg, and maybe things turn around. But where we sit right now, it's really hard to envision the Maple Leafs even having a chance against any of those teams if they advance that deep into the playoffs. And I think that frustrates us too. Yeah, I understand that, and, and it can be there. I think one thing is even people in Boston are looking at the Colorado Avalanche saying uh, a little frustrated <laughs> no matter what they do. So I don't think you can look that far ahead, though, Scotty. Go back to when Vancouver, the last Canadian team, went to the finals. They almost blew a 3-0 lead against Chicago in the first round and had to go to Game 7 of overtime in the first round Alex Burrow scores, then they go to their Game 7 Stanley Cup Finals against the Boston Bruins and end up losing. But that first round got extremely nervous on that team. Very similar situation where they have all the firepower up front. This is the year they're going to go for it. 
and then they almost choke out in the first round. Everybody's going to get fired out there. Everybody's going to get split up, but they find a way, and it brings them together, and they can go on a run. So I do agree with Ziggy. The first round, it's, even though all the other teams are playing second rounds, the first round is always the hardest to get out of, in my opinion, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Anything can happen, and if the Leafs can get past this, you still have an opportunity. Listen, they're going to play the Winnipeg Jets. It's easier than playing the Vegas Golden Knights in the second round. So there's opportunities, and, and things will fall differently. But, but I wouldn't go to that completely. I think if you get out of this first round in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, you always have a chance. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. How about if the Leafs win um, when life returns to normal? You buy the group of us a bunch of celebratory beers, and if the Leafs lose, uh, you pay for us to drown in our sorrows. That sounds like a pretty good. <laughs> Where do I sign up for yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's just really How the pleasure. It's the pleasure of our company, really. You <laughs> yeah, know that. that <laughs> thanks for doing this, bud. It's always good to hear your voice. Uh, we enjoy it all the time, and um, we have no doubt you'll be locked in watching tonight. And we'll we'll get you on here soon to uh, to figure out what's next. Talk about round two. Right? Yes, we're hoping. We're hoping. There you go. There he is, right, Andrew guys, Raycroft. Enjoy, Andrew Raycroft from Nesson. Uh, Razor and the Bruins have a one game to none lead in their second round Eastern final, I guess is the uh, way we'll call it. East division final uh, over the Islanders having won five, two last night, something to chew on brought to you by great Canadian meat from the NHL public relations, Twitter account. The Montreal Canadians are the first team in NHL history to surrender multi-goal third period leads in consecutive games while facing elimination and win each of them. Andrew Berkshire quote tweeted that and said, <laughs> the Leafs just do it different. Oh, yes, they do. And here is Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette. Did you think we'd be here on a well, morning of I, a game seven? I think I said that uh, if the Canadians won game one, it was going to go seven, right? So, yeah, I expected we'd get here after they won game one. Didn't take the path that I thought it was going to take, but that, this is an interesting series all of a sudden. Eh? It's, uh, it looked for the, through the first five games there that it wasn't going to be that interesting at all. And now, you know, it, it, all of a sudden, those little voices in the back of the heads of the Toronto Maple Leafs are probably a lot louder than they were at any other point in this series. I, I kind of agree. I was listening to the end of the interview there with Andrew Raycroft, and I'm going to back up my fellow Andrew here, and I think that if the Maple Leafs pull this off, we're going to see a different Maple Leafs than we've ever seen in the playoffs. I think that facing adversity and actually getting over it is going to be such a big deal for this club that uh, if they get, if they make it through, it's going to be possibly their year. I think it's going to be that big of a deal. So you, the Colorado Avalanche are a big uh, big team in the way, but. Uh, it, It'll be interesting to see what Toronto can do when they get over it. So you, you don't buy the whole fatigue and, and game one is Wednesday and then there's another back-to-back Sunday and Monday games three and four, which if the Leafs win would be in Winnipeg. You, you, don't, you don't buy all of these games clumped together, getting worn out, et cetera. Uh, maybe for like Thornton and I would say Spezza, but Spezza looks like he's 23 years old right now. He looks incredible but like Thornton and Simmons maybe, but 
this is a young team. I don't think they're going to have trouble. I think, if anything, you're going to see a tremendous weight lifted off of the back of some guys like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. I mean, those guys clearly, I think Austin Matthews less with Mitch Marner. You look at him play, and it just looks like he's got a gorilla trying to choke him out. He's just tense on his stick. He, he makes, he questions every decision. He doesn't have that smooth uh, decision-making that he has in the regular season. I, I think that, the continual playoff failures, and as much as I say, like, this team hasn't been the favorite except for one series, so it's, it's an unfair reputation, but still, in the back of your mind, you're thinking we've gotten so close so many times, and Marner specifically has been really struggling to do anything positive in the playoffs for three years now. Once they get over that hump, if they're able to tonight, I think things change drastically. Yeah, and they've been. Everyone's coming down hard on on Marner and Matthews, and I think Matthews has. It seems like he's gotten in more scoring positions, more scoring chances throughout the playoffs here, but still not to the level we've seen him. Right, and there's a number yeah. of things why they haven't been here. Right, and you can look at. Yeah, maybe they're a little bit nervous. Maybe things haven't happened. Um, a lot of weight on their shoulders, but also the way the Habs have played, and I, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like. I feel like the Canadians haven't got much respect for the way they've played the six games, right? And I'm just wondering, is it more, is it kind of more if, the way you see it? Is it more them or is it just Matthews and Marner, you know, haven't elevated their game to where the, the Leafs need them? I think, I think I'd have a, a lot more respect for the way that Canadians played when, you know, you see who are the big contributors for the Canadians outside of Carey Price. And you're like, okay, well, Caulfield looked great. Oh, they scratched him the first two games for no reason. <laughs> Just very coconut. He's leading them in scoring. Oh, they scratched him in game one. So it's like the decision-making hasn't been great for the Montreal Canadiens, right? And overall, in terms of like every metric that you can think of, the Toronto Maple Leafs are leading this series and have had control of the play at even strength on special teams, all of it. So it, it really comes down to Toronto getting in their own heads and Carey Price just putting on a phenomenal series. Not to diminish Jack Campbell. He's been great, too. He just hasn't been challenged to nearly the same degree. I thought that the last game in the first period was the first time he was challenged, and, man, did he ever answer the call. And then he let in, you know, the the goal where they tried to challenge for goaltender interference. I, I get it, but at the same time, man, you got to try to get back in the net. Yep. you got to move a little bit. And it's, it's stuff like that where I'm like, there's just a little bit missing from his game uh, that uh, kind of puts him behind Carey Price. And, the, the gamesmanship, right? Like, even if you're not going to stop it, you have to push your body into the opposing player so it looks like they stopped you from stopping it. It's, it's that little stuff that I think comes with veteran presence, right? And Campbell's still a young kid who's, got, I think, under 100 games of NHL experience. So it's hard to compare. But uh, I think he's had a decent series anyway. But Price has just had an unbelievable amount of control on this series, uh, much more than I expected him to after the season that he had. With Andrew Berkshire on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. So th I suppose this question, the answer to it is dependent on what you believed in the first place. Has the result of game five and then the result in game six saved Mark Bergevin's job? Was it always leaning safe for you anyway? Or if they lose, given the work he did to overhaul part of the roster last off season, 
does a loss represent failure, even though they were far inferior to the Maple Leafs in the regular season? Does that loss represent failure and, and Jeff Molson and company will move on? Well, I think it's hard to predict what the Canadians are going to do because I think Mark Bergeron has been in this spot for a while where a lot of outside people believe it's going to be over soon, right? But this is, I think, year nine where he's been in charge, which is more than I think a lot of general managers get these days with very limited success. And it's tough to really do like results-based uh, firings and hirings on a round that you're not supposed to win anyway. I think after four games... The, the critics, especially myself, uh, were very harsh in that the Canadians just weren't in the series at all. It was just Carey Price doing everything. And I, I think when you're the less talented team, the, the components that you need to steal a series are essentially stellar goaltending and killer special, special teams, right? And the Canadians had half that. So you're like, okay, they're not getting there, but they're close. So like, if they lose at this point, I don't think that's the death knell for Mark Bergevin. I think the issue is, he has the ability to bring in good players. You know, like you look at what he did this offseason, and it's a pretty strong offseason. But is he good at building a team? And I think after nine years, you look at on the ice, the product, the future might be decent. You know, like they have stockpiled prospects from missing the playoffs three years in a row and gaining a bunch of extra picks through trades. But overall, on the ice right now, are the Canadians better than they were when he took over? And with Carey Price going to be 34 years old this summer. Shea Weber, 35. Jeff Petrie, I believe, is going to be 33 or 34. Like That's the core of your team, essentially, plus Brennan Gallagher, who's getting beat up even more every single year. I don't think they are. They've got some good young players for the future, but at the same time, when those players are hitting their peaks, a lot of your core players are no longer going to be good. So they're stuck in between two cores, which is kind of the issue, and they haven't been able to decide whether they're in or out for several seasons now. So I, I just don't see the all-in or all-out decision-making from Mark Bergevin. There's too much waffling back and forth, and I think they saw last season's playoffs and decided, oh, wow, we're really close, and they loaded up, and they just aren't. Even if they win this series, they aren't close to a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I mean, that's you just watch Colorado, Vegas, you watch Tampa, Carolina, even Boston. I mean, it's just, there just seems to be level. a separation there. It's another level. And I would say right now it's it's the same thing, different reason or reasons for the Maple Leafs. I think the Leafs have a better chance of attaining that level than Montreal should they advance. But neither team, neither team is at it uh, right now. Andrew, thank you for this Uh the one thing we all know about tonight is that we'll be watching and uh, we'll have you back on very soon and look forward to it. All right. Thanks for having me on guys. Andrew Berkshire of uh, the Montreal Gazette. We need Christopher Stieg's perspective on all of this game seven tonight. Leafs and Habs. Steger's next.
an homage in advance of tonight's game. We have decided to start this segment on time. Christopher Stieg is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He was a member of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs for part of the 2010-2011 season. He is from the NHL on Sportsnet, and he is here now. Um, Chris, fair or unfair, all eyes are on 16 and 34 tonight. Well, that's fair. Uh, are you okay? Me? Yeah. Well, I mean that's I've been a worried. That's, I've been worried. A, that's a loaded that's a loaded question. Okay. Um <laughs> that's a loaded question in general. Yes, I you know what? Um I think I think whatever happens here tonight is going to dictate the way that this thing goes and I am down for any and all discussions if they lose tonight. If they win, we advance and we'll see how they perform. I, I'm buying into Ziggy's and Andrew Berkshire's and other people's theories that if if they win tonight, we'll see a different Leafs team going forward because they will have exercised the demon. So I'm prepared for whatever comes. I, I sure hope so. Uh, I really hope so, and I hope for your sake that uh, tonight they exercise the demons. Now, you're, you're talking about 16 and 34. Um, I, I don't want to get hypercritical until we understand what goes on in game seven. The one thing I will ask of especially number 16 um, is emotion. Get emotionally engaged. And, and that means off a of face-off. Sometimes, he, you know, as star players do, uh, they generally don't get engaged with their winger off the face-off, right? They'll back off the face-off a bit. So I just watch. And I'm micro I'm, I'm really microing Mitch's game down right now, right? And and I and I, I even talk to my friends that are Leaf fans, like, oh, we got to trade. I'm like, you're crazy, you're crazy. Anyways, but right now, if I'm microing Mitch's game in a sense, it's it's emotion, and it comes to getting engaged, especially off a of faceoff, even in a scrum. Go in, get in a scrum, and just get your brain turned on, right? And then what happens is you're not because right now when he has the puck, he's not holding it as long as he can because he knows those big deer coming at him, right? They're coming to finish their checks. That's number one. And the other thing is when you're going into battles and you're not emotionally engaged, especially in the playoffs, you're not going in with your body. You're going in with your stick. So get emotionally engaged, and that means get it off the face-off, right off the first face-off. Hit that guy. Just get it, your body on him. Get going. If, if there's a scrum, get in there. You, you know you're not going in there to fight, but just get in there and get your brain flipped on, and it'll take you to another level. That's, that's what I'm asking of 34 but especially 16 tonight and when that happens good things will follow you'll be into the game more you'll uh, your skills will come out you'll be winning 50 50 battles and you should see the Mitch Meyer that we all want to see and I and I mean no one wants to see him more than me I love watching this guy play I I pump his tires every time I can but there to me right now it's an emotional switch switch and maybe Ziggy can comment more or you can comment more but that's that's the number one thing for me. Yeah, I'm it's it's almost like when it doesn't happen for you right away in the series and you don't get it on a bit of a roll, it's hard, it's hard in the regular season, right? You know when you fall into a little bit of a slump and you get it's like everything takes energy, dumping a puck in, skating, trying to generate something, but the problem in the playoffs 
it's that much harder to generate any chances or to find anything positive in your game. So I understand kind of what Marner and Matthews are going through right now. I, I've never had any s- sort of skill that they have, but um, I don't know what, what you think of that and, and how it's so hard to get things going, especially if the power play is not going. Like it's one thing if the power play was clicking and that just gives them another outlet on something to find, but there's really nothing. Like, I, I what did you think of the Marner uh, flipping the puck over the glass in his own end? Like, I don't even know what that was. Like, I don't think he yeah. was being pressured yeah. or heard footsteps. It was just, that's just a, I, I didn't even know what to say. Like, people are messaging me after that, calling me. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I've never seen that before. And I, apparently, someone looked up all of his penalties in the postseason and they're all flipping the puck over the glass. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, that, that, to me, it tells me it's either a, co- a little bit of a confidence issue at that time, or you're you're in a position you're trying to make a play, and then you just you get a little light on the stick and it goes over the glass. So um, you're you're right; it can compound, especially if things don't get going early on. But that's where that's where the best players in the playoffs they take their they take their brain to the other level, and that's where they get emotionally engaged. Look at Nate McKinnon; he scores a goal mm-hmm. it's like he's going to. He's screaming until his head turns purple. You know what I mean? He's in there. He's in scrums. And I'm not saying I, I, I advocate for no headshots and no dirty stuff, but I, I do advocate for emotion, passion, get in there. You know what I mean? Chirping, all that, all the good stuff that, that creates a great game atmosphere. But that's what I want. I see Nate McKinnon do. I see Gabe Landeskog do. They're just from the first face off. They're bumping. Doesn't mean they're hitting. They're just bumping and they're getting their brains turned on. And the rest of the game follows. But when you're just hoping good things happen, say from the start of the series, you're hoping the power play works, and then you're hoping five on five chances come. Well, guess what? That team that that Montreal team that backchecked hard in the regular season, well, they're backchecking twice as hard in the playoffs, and they're finishing twice, three, four times as many hits. There's less space. You're not going to get as many penalties. These things add up, so all your game, it'll go downhill if you're hoping. What you got to do is get engaged, and it should start coming back up. And, and back to you're talking about the power play. I'm blaming the coaching staff 100% on this. 100% I'm blaming the coaching staff. They've Again, I, I watch how Morgan Riley, where he passed the puck from on the blue line. Did we talk about this last week? Because I talked about it last week on another show for sure. But it, it's just distribution of the puck is 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 poor, really poor. He's always skating the puck. It's too slow. It's telegraphic. And then he passes it or he, he gets it to Mitch and Mitch is standing still. And Mitch is either on the boards when he shouldn't be on the boards or he's on the dot lane when he shouldn't be on the dot lane. And these are little details of a power play that the coaching staff needs to help these guys out with a little bit. They do need freedom. They need to play their game, but they need a little bit of details and it's how to create better angles on the power play. And it's clear to me over the last three, two months that that's not happening. They relied on a really good power play the first little bit, and then other teams figured them out, and they haven't been given anything extra to work with, I find, and also a little bit of a personnel issue. I don't know, like, what is going on? Why? Why Free Spezza, first off. Free Spezza, number one. And I think, I think up top, I would like to see TJ Brody. I know I'm going all over here, but I just want to see someone who can distribute the puck in a timely fashion, who can skate the puck up the ice, get the puck in the zone, which is another major issue for them. So I'm blaming the coaching staff 100% for multiple issues going with that power play because you're right. If that thing got going, 
maybe we're talking a little bit of a different cue with emotion about those top guys. Yeah, and Thornton's been the big question, right, in that bumper position in the middle, and you want a shooter there, right? Uh, Tavares yeah. has usually played it, and then he moved to the front of the net, and then Nylander was out there. So I, I, I don't, I, I don't know at this point with the power play. It's going into Game Seven. I'm a turn everything off, all your systems, and it's like we're coming to play tonight. I don't care what I come and say to you guys, but you have to show up. Like uh, Trotz talked about this the other day on Hockey Central, how he he kind of. He kind of lets guys play a little bit more, a little bit more freedom in the playoffs. But what do you do now? Like if you're going into game seven, you're Sheldon Keefe. And we talked a little bit about a little bit about it earlier on the show. Is that do you go and start making all these changes with the lines? Do you bring Sandine in for Dermot? Do you throw Kerfoot on that second line again? Do you take Felino maybe out if he's not hundred percent? Where are you going if if you're, you know, what's your approach for tonight's game? I think they can make tinkers for sure to the line. Now, now is Muzzin out? We don't know yet. I, I'm guessing from, I don't know what you thought. I thought it was, I've had the groin pole. That was the kind of face he gave. Um, but yeah, and that's going to be a couple weeks for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, he could probably freeze it and, you know, the anti-inflams and all the stuff and all the meds maybe gets through it. But I I, I don't think it's, I, I think you got to be concerned if you're putting in a guy with a pulled groin in game seven, even though it's Muzzin, he can play through injuries. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, and you probably know I've pulled my groin a lot. It's it's damn near impossible to play with a pulled groin. You can't. It's just you can freeze it all you want. It just won't work. That's just I know. It's literally. So I, I wouldn't have him in. Uh, I wouldn't even want to risk having him in with a pulled groin. To be honest with you, I, I would put Sandine in uh, for sure. I would have Sandine. I know he's had a bit of a rough series, but he's a guy that can change the game. Right now, the biggest issue for me is, first off, I've never seen two team, uh, a team right now hand two games away in overtime like the Maple Leafs have. Like, I've never seen a 2-on-0 from a, a blue line in in my life in overtime. And then also, again, with Dermot, you know, he turns back. And, and this is kind of something I talked about the Leafs last year was they needed to start playing straight ahead. Tampa Bay started playing straight ahead, especially this is what ta- we talk about in overtimes. When you keep turning back the puck, these teams are forechecking harder, and now you're turning the puck over because you're, you have so much more pressure on you. So I would just tell the guys, if you get the puck, go straight ahead. Get it in the zone, forecheck. Obviously, if Mitch Marner or someone's on the ice, they can turn back to get more space and time and space with the puck. But everyone else, even if you're a D-man, We're not playing a puck possession game. We're going straight ahead. We're using our speed. We're using our talent. We're grinding them down in the ozone. We're creating ozone chances. Enough of that turn back. That turn back should have never happened. He could have chipped it off the wall to Spezza. Spezza could have got it in. They could have gone straight down the ice. But instead, you turn it back. And it happened numerous times. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're taking on so much water that you don't need to take on. So that's the number one adjustment. As for the lineup, I mean, I, I think you can do a, a bunch of things. I, I'm fine with the lineup they have right now, and you can tinker as the game goes with guys. But just the number one thing, turn the brains off. Stop going back with the puck. Go straight ahead. If you get it, you can go D to D. But after that, you're not turning back like Derma mm-hmm. did or multiple times in the game. Just get it. Chip it up the wall. If there's a if turnover, at least it's on the wall, and it's another 20 feet up, and you can battle up there, right? It, that's just yeah. it, picking the poison in, in the playoffs, especially overtime. I've never seen two games like that. that yeah, I, yeah. 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 And the, the Dermot giveaway, like I, 
I'm not even upset at it. Like I, I didn't like it, but it's part of their system, right? It's the puck yeah. possession game. And I've been vocal the last two years on how I love it, but there are times when you have to punt the ball and you have to recognize when those times were like the Sandine two giveaways on the goals in, in game six. That's just, I, I'm not even mad at him because that's, that's the, their system. Like that's the way yeah. they play. You don't throw the puck. You don't rim it. You don't put it high off the glass. If you can make a play, you make it. And he tried to do that. And Dermot tried to do the same thing. So I'm not even upset when yeah. you talk about the overtimes though, like the 15 minutes, the Leafs played in, in game six. I thought that's the best 15 minutes I've seen them play. Like I, I, it was uh, Montreal didn't get a shot on it. It was complete domination. Well, and that's, and that's what we talked about is they, they can completely dominate a game. Right. And then it takes like, it takes one part of their system. I feel again, this, this, the turn back with Dermot that can end their and end their game and possibly end their season. If they don't, if they want to keep bringing it back and creating situations, they don't need to create, like you said, punt and live another day. I know when we played against Vancouver in the playoffs, in 2009 and 2010, if we were on the ice against the Sedins, we weren't even allowed to like think think about making a play in our own zone. It was like, just get the puck over the blue line. That was a goal to us. It was like, you scored a goal every time you got it out of your zone against the Sedins. That was, it was actually that. And that was just like a live to fight another day. I'd rather go take on Kessler and those other lines, right, offensively. Obviously, if you can get it into the Sedins zone and hold it and score a goal, that's a bonus. But just get it out over the zones. Don't go back with it because they're going to have someone like a Burroughs who's going to forecheck you. But live to fight another day. And then once you get in, you know, once the game go, get, you get ahead of the game or you get into overtime, that's how you treat every single line, right? You're just trying to get it out of your zone, create battles up the ice, live to fight another day. And, and that's the biggest thing that I would tell my team tonight. I know they play a different way all season, but if you're in these situations – and it's overtime or it's tied and, or you're up by one, no going back with the puck. Go straight ahead. Uh, Chris, you know you come on this show and uh, the requests start piling in on the text line. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this one in a bit of a different direction. Here's what we need from you on the way out the door this morning. A yep. Phil Kessel pump-up speech for game seven tonight. What would Phil <laughs> say to the group before you guys take to the ice for warm-ups? Mitch, Austin, it's time to wake up. Let's go. I've been carrying my weight all series. All series. You guys haven't done a thing. It's time to show up like me. <laughs> this guy. Oh, God. This guy. <laughs> Just, man, oh, man, don't you just want to be in the trenches after that? Um, always amazing insight, pal. And uh, we'll be watching tonight. We'll see how it all plays out. And, you know, we'll break it all down with you and look forward to doing it. Thanks for this. Awesome. Take care, guys. Christopher Stewart. <laughs> what a beauty. <laughs> that is. I've been pulling my weight. Love it. It was pretty good. That was, was pretty oh, good. Yeah. Oh yeah, you it's should putting see me. It. It's putting it's putting me right back in the room. Makes me right makes me wonder. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You've our heard play, it. We, we all all three of us were 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 in the room together. And Damn so we right. All play together. Ten yeah. eleven. Ten eleven. <laughs> all right. Um, what are we talking about tomorrow morning? Are we uh, celebrating a win and looking ahead to Winnipeg on Wednesday, or are we doing well, complete with the Undertaker theme music? Uh, I was wrong. Yeah, wrong in game five and wrong in game six. They're gonna. This is it. They're gonna all show up. Um, 
Campbell's going to do the same thing, have the same game. He's comfortable in there. The big boys are going to show up tonight. You're going to get some, you know, I, I just think three of the four lines will show up. That's all they need. They don't need all four. They need three just to show up. Nothing spectacular. Don't need Matthews to score four goals. Just three solid lines, and they pull this off. I pick the Leafs to win the series. I'm not coming off it now. Have a great Monday. Enjoy the game tonight. Good shows next, 16 and 34. All eyes on you. Uh, are you okay?